Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. We are back after our... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was unexpected. (laughs) So for those at home, Matt just switched his webcam background over to a a, a beautiful anime woman. An anime wife here. Who he is now sinking into as his... uh, He's fading into. He's becoming one with his wife here. Camera can't figure out what what his background and what isn't. (laughs) Matt's been playing around with virtual cameras, I see. (laughs) I thought I would surprise you during the intro. That took me me completely by surprise. I appreciate you fucked my intro. (laughs) Well, uh, for for those kids at home, we were supposed to have an intro just now. We were, and it would have been more interesting than any intro I would have came up with. Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. I am Liam Edwards, and once again, I am joined by my anime waifus, Matt Visual and George Weedman. Hi. Hi. These lovely boys are back. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Absolutely fine. Hanging in there. Good. Fantastic. I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding on. How was your Christmas? Your Marys and Christmases. I did a lot of sleeping. Wait, has it been that long? It's been five days since Christmas. <sighs> no, four days. God, it's already third. <laughs> Stop it, Matt. Stop. <laughs> Actually, I could look at that. Matt is continuing to scroll through a slideshow <laughs> of provocative <laughs> images that he has stored on his desktop. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this. I wish people could uh, could view this. Well, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. Lucky for you, Liam. People will be able to enjoy watching all this stupid bullshit on January sixteenth at six p.m. Eastern, nine p.m. Wait, no, fuck. Ah! George already ruined it. Six p.m. Pacific, <laughs> nine p.m. Eastern. Yes, that's January sixteenth. Yeah, that is eleven a.m. January seventeenth, my time in Japan. Please join us for the 150th episode Bonanza, which will be our Game Awards episode. If you would like to join in the pre-shenanigans, some of the Jeff Keighley shenanigans beforehand, you can join our Dad and Sons Dad Select t-shirt contest where you could win a long-sleeve Dad and Select shirt, much like the one I'm wearing right now, and also a game of your choice from our favorite indie games of the year, Noita, Ikenfell, and also... Uh, what was the last one? Hades. Hades, Hades. of course. Literally wow, the game of the year for everybody. Hades. I know, I forgot the one, the main <laughs> one. All you have to do to enter is follow Dad and Sons Pod on Twitter and also tweet a picture of you listening to the show in a random, interesting, wonderful environment. We've had some incredible entries so far, including one person who listens to the podcast on a Nintendo DS. Which, Wait, what? To be honest, just close, just close the contest right now because how can you beat? The how competition can you beat that? is is incredible. How can you beat that? The air is heating up here at Dad and Son Stadium tonight. I tell you, Steve, I've never seen anything George, like George, this. George, did you did, did you see our Discord member uh, Tony's uh, one yesterday that he sent the Metal Gear one of somebody listening to Dad and Sons inside of what I think is Metal Gear Solid Four or Five, the pod iPod that you could get. For a snake. <laughs> That's clever. That's pulling in the George karma right there. That's like Reddit karma, but for George. So anyway, if you'd like to do that, we're going to announce the winner of that live on air during our 150th episode. If you'd like to win a shirt or a game, and a game, 
uh, of your choice out of those three, then please go ahead and follow Dad and Sons Pod and tweet a picture of you listening to this episode or any other fucking episode from before. You should have already caught up by now, but please do. Anyway, bureaucracy out of the way. Mm-hmm. How you guys Christmas been? What you guys been doing? I had the worst Christmas in my whole life. Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa. Oh, no. You want me to put some more anime boobs on, on the, the back screen? Yes, actually. I laughed more in the past, like, five minutes than I have <laughs> I did during in, Christmas. In the whole, since last week when we recorded. <laughs> George, why, why, why don't you contact us for some love, man? Because I was working on a 5,000-word-long Valve Index review. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, now you've said it live. That means you're committed to doing it. You should have kept that to yourself. That's what I was doing all Christmas. Everyone's locked up for the disease. I'm mailing some relatives some packages. That's nice of you. But, um, yeah, no, shit sucks this year. I hate it. It does suck this year. Yeah, fuck this year. That's what I'm most excited about right now. It's not going to be 2020 anymore. That's true. By the time everybody will be listening to this episode, it will officially be 2021. We are recording this in the memories of the horrific year that is 2020. The only time I liked seeing that year progress bot is yesterday when it said 2020 was 99% done. That's the only time I want to see the year progress bot. That was pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, I'll be uh, putting out a big-ass Valve Index review in a... um, in a day or two, and the thing that, like, it's not a good review to make, or that, it's not a good review, it doesn't make <laughs> me feel good to make it, because my opinions have been, like, so zigzaggy and wishy-washy, depending on things like hardware failures and, and tracking errors, and the $1,000 I spent on that just makes the whole tone of it feel bad. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I spent Christmas writing a slightly leaning negative Valve Index review, and I found out that uh, HP just released a new headset with a lot of the same features for $600. It's not the same, George. It is not the same. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, the controllers will not be the same, man. It's not. Well, right now, the controllers... I I articulated this by, by finally putting it down in writing. The controllers have unique bells and whistles that VR games aren't designed for. The problem is is that where a grip button would be, there's no button. It's a sensor. So you don't have tactile feedback. It tracks your fingers, but, like, you're, you're constantly real... You, you can't immerse yourself as well when you're constantly thinking about whether or not you're you're properly emulating the controls of other VR headsets. Like, does wrapping one finger around the sensor count as a grip? Do you need two fingers? Do you have to squeeze it really hard for it to count as a grip? Or can you just touch it to count as a grip? The results on these Valve Index controllers seem inconsistent across different games, and the one game that's built for them, Half-Life Alex, the one and only, works perfectly, but in so many other games, I, I got some footage and I'm realizing that, like, I am dropping stuff accidentally and that's a problem that that the the oculus players like like people like you that i've talked to don't have that problem and uh like like it's it's like too experimental for its own good it's too cutting edge for its own good and it's got all these hardware failures that uh keep cropping up i'm not the only one in that regards either a lot of other problems players are having problems with their controllers drifting the the sticks not clicking properly and it's it's a can of worms man 
I I don't. It's official. I don't recommend the Valve Index. It's not worth that one thousand yeah, dollars at mean, all. Yeah, it's a cool I toy, mean. but it's not worth that one thousand dollars. And I would rather see my viewers and my fans pay six hundred dollars or three hundred dollars <laughs> or literally three hundred dollars. <laughs> literally three hundred dollars. Yes. Yes. Literally nothing. You know, compared to like what we used to pay. You know how much I paid for my fucking fucking uh, Oculus? Too much money. Not, you sold. did not pay $1,000, though. I That's played not close, though. That... I played way close. I'm on, on the upper. I'm definitely on the upper. <sighs> I have three sensors and cables up the wazoo. Crossing that line feels bad. It feels real bad. <laughs> <sighs> Can I surprise you guys? Please. I need it. I played like I played like six games oh, in the past damn. three days. Which must be some sort of record for me. How about that's that? A game, that's a game a day and one day to rest. You were like God. I know. I, I'm really trying to use my vacation wisely. I'm playing a lot of games. I'm doing some streaming. Ooh. Playing some games. I, yeah, I, I streamed all day today, which happens to be Tuesday as we're recording. I streamed all day and I managed to play a couple of different games. And I'm also playing a lot in my free time as well. Um, hmm. I, I'm gonna throw it out there because I only finished one of them, but the others are kind of like coming along nicely. Yeah. Uh, the one I did finish was I played through Halo Five with a friend. Yeah. Randomly, mm-hmm. so a friend of a friend of mine who I used to work with, he has been mainlining all the Halo games. He's played through all the Halo games just recently, snorting them just up. literally snorting them up since the MCC collection came to uh, <laughs> PC. He's been playing from one through to five, and he got, and then he got to five, and then it wasn't in the Master Chief collection anymore. So he he was like, "Hey, can I come around and play your Series X, and and we'll play through Halo?" Oh, that's the best like, way sure. to play. Oh my god, you had a friend over in your house to play Halo split screen. Well, that would be great. There's no split screen. But Halo 5 does not have split screen. Yeah, they took it out. They took it out. So we did it the old school, which was frustrating. Absolutely fucking fucking Halo. What the hell are you doing? I mean, the TVs have gotten bigger, but yet there's no split screen. What the fuck is that? I know. And the game looks gorgeous. I, I like. I couldn't. I forgot this game was from 2015. I thought it was a, a lot more recent than that. Like With, 2015 since the last Halo game. It's yeah, it makes you crazy. think about Halo I, Infinite and how it looks like trash, right? Hmm. You're so fucking right. Like, we're dealing with 4K resolutions at this point. There's so many cool mm. split-screen gags games could be doing with uh, all the pixels that they yep. can make room for. Like, Dude. that old problem of, of it being too blurry to see anything in your screen is solved nowadays, but... Yeah, we should play four-player yeah, like on it. some little-ass fucking CRT. <laughs> Where you have your GoldenEye stamp corner. <laughs> no scopes. <laughs> <laughs> like from miles away on little pixels, man. And we weren't even that close to the damn TV. Cause you could you had to get too close to your friends. You know, you would you know, some of your friends don't smell good. So like you you couldn't you couldn't get too close. You know, you had a stack. You know, it's two people down and two people on chairs. You know, you had to it was a weird, weird situation. But now you can have a big TV, sit back, you know. Sorry, I, I, I didn't grow up rich. I grew up very poor. So we had small TVs. <laughs> but yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, most TVs at that time were pretty small anyway. I remember playing Halo on tiny ass oh, CRT no. TVs. I, I, I went over I Jimmy's house. Jimmy's CRT. house, they had a huge. 
huge. The ones that took like ah. a minute to turn on. <laughs> yeah, those those monsters, man. Oh, gotta warm gotta them warm up. Warm them up, man. <laughs> the, uh, warm up the yeah, two. Like, those are crank. Those are crank at the other end of it. <laughs> Winding that shit. <laughs> Scrape the ice off the screen before you can start. Do they have one of those weird volume knobs at the front? You have to like yeah. wind quite a lot. Oh man. You would Holy hear it shit. turn on. Well. Uh, the, like the static yeah. sound that would yeah. pierce through. <laughs> break through the oh, sound man, CRT barrier. Is rock. Yeah. Ah, oh, CRTs is so cool. I almost got uh, in a Twitter argument with someone about them. Uh, they're, they're, there's kids these days growing oh, yeah, up. They about the PS2. Anything. They don't they know, know about they CRTs. They, they want they want to sit here Anybody and tell us about think... HDR and shit. But listen, CRTs are the real shit. I would take Dragon Quest Eight on a CRT any day. What a good just game. PS2 Man. could do some damn cool shit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to yeah. Halo being yeah, yeah, ruined. Yeah. Um, so we played it through it the other old school way, which was you die, you pass the controller. We were playing on Legendary because oh, yes. Halo, you know, it's, it's the it's not only that hard. way to play. Um, yeah. Strategic. The Halo. game is all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine. I've heard it, it's, it's kind it's, of the it, low point of the. I don't know if franchise. it's the low point compared to Halo Four, but okay. There's like there's like a lot of good set pieces in it, and there's a lot of nice environments. The game looks because it's been upscaled for the whatever for this re- release on Xbox Series X. So it's in 60 frames, it's 4K, it's gorgeous. It really is a very very pretty game. Um, but it's a Halo game, and you spend 90 percent of the time not playing as Master Chief. That's very strange. The whole story of the game is about Cortana becoming a rogue AI and basically taking over control of the most powerful things in oh, the really? universe to be able to restore order. I've, I don't think I've played it. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah, no. I, and then you spend all of the game chasing after Master Chief, which is super weird because Cortana is the reason why everything's happening, but the game barely spends any time explaining any of that. Why am I complaining about Halo lore? But it's kind of weird. I don't mind the squad aspect of it. I liked being able to target enemies and a lot, like when you, especially if you're playing on legendary, it, it requires some sort of strategic play where you want to, you want your squad to focus on, you know, like turrets and elites. And, you know, when you have the Prometheans, the big knights, all, all that kind of thing. But it's a fairly generic Halo game with a weird narrative. By the end, I really wanted it to fucking end because it just keeps on going, finding the same enemies in the same environments on the last planet for ages. Like, that last hour is bad, not fun at all, especially when you're playing on higher difficulties and the enemies are just ridiculously cheese. Um, I was fine. Played through a Halo game. Halo's fun with yeah. a friend. Guns felt really good in that one. It, it was a good time. It was okay. Don't. I mean, the narrative. I. I, I what? Well, just let me play as Master Chief, man. Just let me play as Master Chief. I don't want to be Locke. I don't want to be, you know, Nathan Fillion. God. Tom Holland. Uh, what's the name? Video games are such a broken record right now because I seriously feel like I'm. I'm playing the same thing. I couldn't believe this was 2015. It was the year I moved to Japan. It was. I can't believe it was that so old. That's in, insane. In 2004. 
everyone was was salty about how in Halo 2 you spend half the game not playing as Master Chief. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2007 in Halo 3, like, isn't a big chunk of the story about Cortana going rogue and... So they have something called Rampancy. Yeah. After, like, eight years of service or something like that. Sorry, I don't know my Halo lore that integral. In Halo, you were used to be so fun. I had a good time. At 2015, I, I couldn't believe that part. I had never played it myself. I played Halo 4 and then kind of dropped off the franchise. Um, it kind of made me looking forward to Infinite eventually. I mean, they've delayed it now until the fall of next year, which is a long way away. So that's a lot mm. of time to right any wrongs that people may feel aggrieved that's, by. That's, that should be enough time to replace the gunshot sound effects. Yeah. No, it's really weird because, like, after playing... <laughs> I, I, you know, having played Halo 5 in, in 4K and 60 frames, and I really thought that was a very pretty game. I went back and looked at the footage of Infinite, and I was like, mm, okay, yeah, there's some things that just <laughs> don't seem right, but I don't know. They should be able to correct it. I imagine they're using most of the same engine and software. They're probably just something's gone a bit wrong in the art direction department, possibly. Um, but yeah, no, it's fine. Um, not the most interesting game I played this week. There, So... I, I, I very briefly want to talk about two games or three because Game Pass seems to have like opened up a whole new world of games that yeah, this it week. exploded, didn't it? It Jesus did. Christ. exploded. Two games that were on there that I really want to mention. One is I started playing the anime Dark Souls, which is Code Vein. It's which is, on there? It's on there now, yes. And it's not very good. Not in it is, is it? So it's not free to play. It's it's, it, it's free, that, George. It's on Game Pass, man. We know we talked okay, about no, this. Oh my god, you know what I'm <laughs> I'm asking. It's it's free. It's free real estate, George. We've said this. I'm I'm just gonna Google it <laughs> instead of asking you. Then Code Vein. It's on Game Pass. Yes, for for free. I don't see it. Why why is it? How are you? I want to play that. Yeah. Okay. At, no. Co- maybe, Code in Japan, is, uh, maybe in Japan. Maybe in Japan. bucks. Might be a Japan thing. Don't buy it for 24 bucks. All right, it's fine. It's mediocre. It's not bad. It has the worst tutorial I've played in a long time with the worst opening I... exposition. It bugged out like a lot as well. Like the main, the, the one of the main characters I met had like no body. It was just eyes and a floating mouth in, <laughs> in, their dick in, hanging out? in anime armor, which made it really funny because <laughs> he had like all the belts and straps all around him and there was nothing there and he just had eyes With and a mouth. With his clipping through? Yeah, it was like the old Assassin's Creed Unity or whatever it was called, that game. It was mm-hmm. basically that screenshot, but in an anime game. Um, it's, I mean, it's a poor man's Dark Souls. It's not very difficult it doesn't Listen, feel very good to play. It's I all right. I, I I went to the first big boss. It was actually yeah. Not all, bad. What's his name? All, Oliver Oliver Weeks or whatever his name is. What the the boss? Yeah yeah yeah. I, I no. Yeah, it was like, a woman. It was like maybe maybe the the big. There's like a big boss. Like, oh okay. Like right. Big area. Girl going crazy. Freaking tentacles. You know you know the the anime. Classics. Anime. Anime classics. Anime classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the one I, that I you actually die at. Yeah. Did you play the tutorial? Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember that? the story being dog shit, but I remember, it is I remember liking garbage. Like, like the car combat actually a little bit more. It's not so bad. It's not yeah. like refined in any way like Dog Souls is like you would expect, but I mean, of course not. But yeah, I don't know. Not the best first impressions. 
Um, yeah. And when you know when you got a lot of games to play on, on Game Pass, you, you need to be impressed me immediately. Oh, yeah, when you have uh, choices, you know it's just yeah. like dating. You know when you have choices, exactly. <laughs> you got to you sample sample sizes, and then move on. And then one game I did sample size and immediately fell in love with, and I really am enjoying playing it. Is called Monster Train. You guys heard of this? Yeah, no. It's the first Slay the Spire clone. Oh yeah, Monster Prom is the second one, right? No, not Monster right. Prom, Monster Train. Yeah, Monster, Monster Train. Prom is the second one. That's what I'm saying. This is this no, is no, number you, two. No, no, no. You, you're thinking of the visual novel. I'm talking about the card game, Slay the Spire. It's basically Slay the Spire, but on a train, and I love it. It's so ridiculously stupid in its copying of Slay the Spire. Like, it wears Slay the Spire's heart on its sleeve, but it has its own mechanics, which is super unique, and I really like it. The idea is you're playing basically a game of Slay the Spire, where you have characters that you then put cards on, and, and you use cards to drop units, but you're, you're riding this train, and it, it has the last pyre of hell on it. Like, the last flame of hell. And the idea is to keep the flame alive and get it to the underworld so you can respark the Armageddon or whatever. And you're playing all these monsters because you're on the side of hell. And the idea is to keep the train's fire going, right? And the and the fire is basically your nexus or your health or pool or whatever. And when it when it's killed by the enemies or overrun, that's when you you lose a run. But before that, you have this train, and the train is layered by four compartments, right? It's like a four stacked, like what would you call it, a quadruple decker train. Mm. Then enemies come out on the bottom deck, and then they have a turn against your units at the bottom, and then they move up a, up a deck to the next one. And then if they survive that, after fighting your units, they move on to the third. And then finally they move on to the fourth, which is where your pyre is. And the idea is that you're placing these card units, like you're using cards to place units and spells, and you place the units on the different decks of the, the, the train trying to counter and, and battle uh, the enemies as they move through your train. It's, it looks really complicated when you look at a screenshot of it, but it's incredibly simple. You just lay them down, the unit's there. Each deck has like a certain amount of like mana, and if you fill the mana, then you can't put any more units down or use any more spells on that deck. Um, and then you have like a mana pool, same as magic, same as Hearthstone. And basically, if you play Slay the Spire in any way or Magic, you definitely know how to play this game. But it has really cute, neat mechanics around the idea of this train and 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 the different decks, and you you know you're stacking units on top of each other to like fight enemies as they come through your first wave of units, and then you fight them on the second, and you're trying to you're trying to do maths in your head about how much damage will this enemy take on this deck, which means by the time they get to the second deck how much damage can my unit do against them to stop them from going towards the pyre? And then bosses tend to come in and they can fly between the different decks and you have to try and like calculate, oh, if I put my champion on the bottom deck, how am I going to get him to the top? And it's all this kind of thing. And it's interesting because it's definitely not as popular as Slay the Spire. I think it's done really well, but it is kind of, it's a good example of like when you take a, a very simple sort of game. Slide of Spire is obviously complicated in its card nature, but in terms of like it's a it's a pure card battling game, you know, between you and an enemy. But then you take it to the next step, and it turns out to be a very good game. But maybe you're putting people off by having too many mechanics. And I, if you have Game Pass, I highly recommend it. It's really good fun. I'm, I've been playing it like every day, like a couple of runs. I've yet to beat it. 
but it's a really good time and I, I'm really, really enjoying it. So that's one game on Game Pass that if you like card games and you like, especially if you like Slay the Spire, you should play Monster Train. It's good fun. The art style is a bit, nah, it's hit and miss. It's definitely mm. better than Slay the Spire, I think, because I don't think Slay the Spire's art is very good, as we've established right. on this podcast before, um, which I got loaded of slate for, but that's fine. It sucks, but whatever. <laughs> Monster Train, hell of a good time. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. That's yeah, it has good. a very, um, like, Instagram ad art style going yes. for it. Wow. Yes, it does. I, I, That's, it, it, uh, it reminds on point, me, right? It's on point. It rem- that stings. It, it <laughs> reminds me <laughs> of nothing other than, you know those adverts that are like, be my lord, take yeah. my castle. Yeah. You this can, uh, game will make you jizz in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what the art reminds oh. me of. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Which is still to say it's better than Slay the Spires, but yes, it reminds me exactly of like a Facebook ad. Like, wow. you want to play Raid Shadow Legends, my lord? <laughs> like those. Raid Shadow Legends will make you come in 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Jesus. Guys, you should not right. be going that fast. I'm just no. letting you know right now. And, this, and this is like what what we hit. What was a ninety nine percent male right podcast? So I guess we can. Yes. See. Well, I think whoa, it was ninety six. Ninety six. For that's, the, the, that's, the poor one percent female yeah. <laughs> listening to this poor podcast. <laughs> oh come on! We need to well, show more Matt, more more boobs, um, guys. We need Matt, to take you know, off our shirts. Matt, Matt your you know? chest has poking out enough. Like that's that's yeah, that's oh, pretty yeah. good. D- don't don't you have a folder Ooh. of that on your desktop, Matt? Yeah, Matt shows the boobs. <laughs> just just <laughs> no. I mean, switch your green tits. screen over to your white boobs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after this Christmas, I'm growing some man boobs. That's for sure. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's I a think lot we of all are growing a little bit of man Oof. boobs. There is one other game I want to talk. About. <laughs> I know I played a lot of games this week. There's just one other game, and guys, I promise you, it'll be worth it because I hate it. Oh, uh... I hate it, and I hate it, and I'm so sad because we talked about one good game. Well, we talked about a medi- uh, a, a pretty mediocre Halo that was all right, and a very mediocre Dark Souls clone. A really good card game. And who would have thought that sequel to Super Meat Boy, one of the greatest platformers of what? all time, would be terrible. Wait, be terrible? It's not called Super Meat Boy 2. It's called Super Meat Boy Forever, and I don't like it, and I don't, and I, and, ah, I couldn't understand why nobody's talking about it. I'm so sorry. It's, it's Bad. So they turned Super Meat Boy into an endless runner, huh? They turned the most okay. precise, precision indie yeah. platformer into an endless runner. But not only that, seems quite off brand. It's kind of hard because I this is so I, I I bought it last week. I haven't played it, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna stream today, first day of my vacation. I'm gonna stream. I'm gonna have a great time because I'm gonna play the sequel to one of my favorite platformers of all time. And I had no idea it was an auto runner. Started streaming it. Oh my god, I literally hate this game. I hate, I honestly, I haven't hated a game in a long time. And I hate this game. It's not good. Not just because it's not like the first game, which is a precision platformer, but the fact that it has so many issues based around the fact that it's an auto runner. But not on, but on top of that, it's randomly generated. It's randomly generated, and that's fine for roguelikes and stuff. But imagine a game where you don't stop moving, 
where you have to jump precision platforming and you have no idea what the game's going to throw at you because it's so randomly generated. Wow. And it doesn't f- I'm watching it and that looks frustrating because it you can't go back so- and forth. No, you can't. You, you have can't. to keep and going forward. And that was like I the wanted, whole point is yes, being precise. Wanted, exactly. And one of the main things that I figured, because in the stream, after I, after I gave up, I played two worlds of Super Meat Boy Forever and I was done. I went back and played the original game and I almost finished it in one day because it's just like, it's still perfect. And the muscle memory is still there. <laughs> like when you jump in Super Meat Boy, you like... You know, you twiddle the stick to, like, try and move back and, like, try and land on platforms perfectly. You can't do this in Super Meat Boy Forever because you can never turn your character from left to right. You can never turn Meat Boy in the air. So everything is a jump and then a double jump in a perfect arc all the time. Can you imagine the shitstorm if they called it Super Meat Boy 2? I mean, I, I it, the game just nobody's talking. Like, this is a... I'm, it's a sequel. It is a sequel. Like, to... One of the one of the most important indie games of the time, right? Yeah. The, from the Xbox Live Arcade. It was a movie about it, man. I watched it. Literally, <laughs> Twice. literally a movie about it. A game that sold millions of copies. It's one of the best indie platformers of all time. Possibly one of the best platformers ever. And nobody's talking about it. And now I understand why. And it's it's not just that it's disappointing in that regard. It's honestly not a good game. The the controls are not as precise as Super Meat Boy, which is fine if your levels are designed to match that challenge. But the fact is, unlike the perfectly designed levels of Super Meat Boy, which are to entice you to learn to jump and take risks and do stuff, they've been built immaculately with hours and hours of testing to be you know, an, an accomplishment of design about jumping around and, and, and landing on platforms and making massive jumps and risks to then making a game about random generation where the player can never tell what's coming because they have no idea. Everything's random every time. And it has like, for some reason, sometimes the screen moves and then if you go back to the left, you yeah. die. Sometimes yeah. the screen doesn't move because <laughs> yeah, the game I'm design wants that. you to go underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating. And I think we pointed it out during the stream and some some of our uh, great Discord members were talking about it as well. It's very apparent that, you know, Edmund, of course, the creator of the original Meat Boy with Tommy, who were both in the movie, Edmund obviously went on to make Biting of Isaac and uh, those other games that he's made, End is Nigh, et cetera, et cetera. And then Tommy's been working on this for a long time. Tommy was the programmer, not the designer of the original Meat Boy. And it's kind of almost like very obvious and glaring that the challenge of how he keeps the Meat Boy thing going and then without Edmund, who was all of the design and the ideas, to then put his own twist on it, how, you know, this kind of has come to be. And it's just... It's not. <sighs> it's, it, this is... Something oh, I would never play. I'm it's, I'm looking at it like it took it took a lot of like especially back then, it took a lot of like patience to beat Super Meat Boy. And yes. that's it. I didn't do the I didn't do the later stages. I just beat beat it and that was it. I was I was fine with that. I was fine with that. This looks like hell to me. This looks it, like uh, hell. Because I like to be able to control my character. And I'm pretty and fucking good at 2D games. I'm really fucking good at it. 
So this I'm I'm fairly good at Meat Boy. Like I almost finished the game out of spite at the, the first game today, just because I was like, I am not bad at this. Like right, I, right, I'm right. very good at Meat Boy. I, I love it, and I almost got to the end of the game in one stream. Well, in half a stream. Because all the muscle memory is still there, because the levels are so designed perfectly, and the controls are designed so perfectly. But this is so frustrating, because there's so many... Like, in Super Meat Boy, all you have to do is press A, or hold A, and press a trigger to sprint. And then you can hold on to walls, and you can slide down them. In this, you have A to jump, press A again to do a, a double jump, but it's not a double jump, it's a punch. And then once you've done the punch, you have to land on the ground to be able to reset it to do it again. So you can't keep double punching in the air, which is frustrating because sometimes they put two enemies in front of you. So how do you take the other one? Well, you have to press down on the D-pad to do like a diving punch, <laughs> which then ends up being like a slide. So when you do down on the D-pad, you, you can slide punch into one enemy, but then it resets and you don't hit the other. So you use the slide wow. to go under things, but it's also a punch and it's dual purpose. And there's a lot more controls in this one. And there's like enemies that you need to interact with. Like there's an enemy that sucks you up and then you don't know what to do and the game doesn't tell you and you're meant to mash A to like beat yourself out of it. There's so much going on with poor tutorialization. I find it so hard to even visualize how you hold a controller when one of your main primary buttons you're pressing all the time is down on the D-pad. What? Well, because you're not using the stick because you can't choose where you move. The game oh is like, goodness. hey, look, you have this free uh, free control, you know? You just press down on the D-pad. It's all good. Okay. And you have to use that That's... down on the D-pad to do some really weird stuff. Like, it's a that slide along the weird. ground, but then sometimes you have to use it to smash glass. And then sometimes it only works in certain contextual situations. Um, it's... I'm so disappointed, the fact that, obviously, this is not more Meat Boy. But... I, the. <sighs> There, not, it's, it's, <laughs> there, there were two things that were like red flags. One is, nobody's talking about the game, which, considering the history of Meat Boy and also how much of a massive splash on the industry the original game made, you would think with a sequel, like if Undertale had a sequel, like Deltarune, obviously everybody went batshit crazy, right? Like if Braid had a sequel, people would be going crazy. The fact that nobody's talking about this is kind of a red flag. Secondly... When you open the game, it asks you to randomly generate a seed. And you're like, as the player, what the, f what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I randomly generating seeds? What do you want from a game? Explain what these seeds are. Why are these icons in front of me? What do the icons do? So the game is already asking the player to do stuff that the player has no idea about. So then you jump into the game, and then the tutorial is based around a randomly generated chunk. And then that randomly generated chunk doesn't necessarily gel with the tutorialization very well, so sometimes you can get stuck. Act there was actually one part of the game that I just couldn't get past. It was, like, broken, because the controls just wouldn't work. So I had to skip that level. And in Old Meat Boy, you couldn't skip levels. You had to do the level to progress to the next one. In this one, you can actually just skip that level and then go on to the next one, because it's almost like the game's like, oh, well, we know maybe the, the game will be a little broken. So then, you, you know... We're not gonna have to make you clear it. You can just literally skip to the next world. It's there's all sorts of things just going on with it. It's so frustrating to play. The controls are a mess. The button precision, yeah. like the collision boxes, aren't very good. Yo, so if you see the video, I timestamped it, and this guy has figured out a way. I guess it's intended 
that you literally get stuck in the corner and you just don't move. So you can wait for like things to like reset their timing, like the spikes yeah. and stuff. Like, what's the point? At that point, you're just you're just playing Super Meat Boy. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. You're exactly right. Like, this is the thing I was was saying on the stream is there's moments where the game wants you to stop and like think, and it's like, what? What the? Why? F- what? Why? Why? Oh, if if I'm man. meant to be auto running the whole time, all you've done is put blocks in the way because that's what would stop me in your control scheme. And, and it looks like they have no way of making sure they're jumping in the right direction, too. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, Meat Boy sometimes faces to the left, but actually his next move is to the right because that's where his momentum is. But you can't control that. And and the game is, like, that jump he makes in in, in this video is he's facing left and then he moves right, but then he, when he mm-hmm. jumps off the wall, he jumps to the left. It's very confusing. We're, um, we're watching a playthrough, and the guy keeps jumping in the wrong direction, but you can tell he doesn't want to. It looks really, really frustrating. It is incredibly frustrating. And then, you know, you just add on the fact that the collision boxes are not as tight as the original game, which, you know, can lead to frustration anyway. But the fact that you just, you, you're taking control away from the player for some unnecessary reason. You could have made Super Meat Boy Forever a randomly generated game, but if you had the controls of the original game, it would be a ra- it would be a fairly decent platformer. It's just that you would have endless amounts of levels. Kind of like Mario Maker, right? Mario Maker is not Mario, but you're playing a Mario game with kind of subpar levels. <laughs> this is what this would be. It would be a not Super Meat Boy game where you'd be playing subpar Meat Boy games. If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But... That's not what's happening here. You're playing an auto runner that doesn't auto run very well because it stops you in place a lot to jump. So what's the point in auto running? It reminds me kind of like those moments from Rayman Origins or uh, uh, Rayman Legends oh, where you shit. had those auto running sections, yeah. but like bad versions of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you're asked to jump and punch and do stuff, but. N- like really frustrating versions of those, and and no uh, deliberate arrangement of quirky classical music tracks as you go. Yeah, and that's another thing. Please, if you ever wanted to know why this game is not me, boy, please just go listen to the soundtrack. It's fine, but it is so not me, boy. It's it's hilarious. Like the the first. <laughs> like the first area or the world has like this weird like backwater twang music to it almost like curiously cow- the cowardly dog kind of like like weird backwater twang and it just does not fit it's good but it <laughs> it doesn't fit it's nothing on danny b's original soundtrack oh man Damn. it's really frustrating i really wanted that to i really play more meat boy i was excited for it but once Nobody's talking about it. That was immediately a telltale sign that things had gone wildly wrong. I don't know what the reviews are like. I don't know what the user score on Metacritic is like, but I did not enjoy it. And I don't think many people will, to be honest. It's just not a very good game. This is a shame. But I really wanted to talk about it because my frustrations were wild. It was not great. Yeah, I'm not playing that. I just wanted to go back and play more Monster Train. In fact, I played golf with golf with your friends instead, and that was a way better time. Yeah, Equally as frustrating, there. but more fun. But yeah. Damn. George, you and me. Uh, Go ahead. Hey, Matt. You want to hear something that uh, I feel like you've said quite a few times? Sure. The Oculus Store games... Uh, 
They're pretty good. Yep. So yep. I, I, I installed Revive and took a look through the library of supposed Oculus exclusives mm-hmm. and was incredibly impressed and had a wonderful last time and loved to death Lone Echo. Yeah, I boy. played like three and a half hours of that with a friend over Discord. Sometime this week we're going to watch the finale when I can uh, get back together. And... Yeah, this thing came out in 2017, mm-hmm. and it has, like, almost Half-Life Alex level of yes. quality to it. Yeah, like, granted, it's shorter, there's no combat, but I don't know if I care about either of those two things, but the level of interactivity, where, like, everything you poke in the environment does something, I, I can't believe they were doing that way back then. Yeah. That's why it's, like, so, nothing, like, fucking... Like, it's more about, like, the, 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 I don't know, the experience of the game. You know, like, cause, like, that's why Alex, I don't know. Hey, forget it. You know what? Let me not take it away. Go ahead. Go ahead, George. Go ahead. I'm going to yeah, sit yeah. here and complain. I, I, yeah. I, guess, I guess, like, coming from PSVR, Alex was, like, a, a huge splash in terms of, of yeah. seeing this stuff. But, yeah, Lone Echo is an incredibly high-quality science fiction first-person VR puzzle adventure game mm-hmm. where all your locomotion is uh, zero gravity momentum that that begins with you pushing yourself off a surface onto another one. And it feels really freaking good. As soon as you grip the controllers on a surface, your character stops dead in their tracks. And despite that, it it doesn't, I I hear that a lot of players don't get motion sickness from it. I was totally comfortable going through, through the whole game like this. Um, The uh, puzzles like all incorporate the tactile feeling of touching things in the world with these controllers. Mm -hmm. Like it's about like locking things into place and turning knobs that get them vibrating with haptic feedback as you touch things. There's really impressive acting and performances from the the, the woman they they hired to narrate you through the game. And um, it's gorgeous too. Like like there's some incredibly good lighting and shading all over this this space station that has things like like uh plants for oxygen for for them to breathe they they thought about stuff like that um yeah i i really really enjoyed playing some vr games this week particularly lone echo i um did more of of walking dead saints and sinners and um I just got more footage for the the VR review. Went back into Alex for a little while, but nothing, nothing really stands out to me like Lone Echo did. That was seriously the highlight of my week. I, I highly recommend it. Even if you're giving money to Facebook, it's forty dollars. Definitely more palatable than the like three hundred dollar, uh, <laughs> contribution to Mark Zuckerberg's world empire. It's so funny because in the reality of the slimy. situation, twenty what well, forty bucks and three hundred bucks to Facebook is equally as small a drop in the ocean. Mm, pro- yeah, because their revenue oh. is in the billions, right? Mm-hmm. It, dude, dude, dude! If they lose Oculus, they're not going anywhere, dude. It's not of even. This, but uh, not in, in either case, it felt really good to install Revive and see just how many options there are out there. Like, I'm really looking forward to going through those uh, Oculus games in the future from here on out. Hell yeah, dude. Um, yeah, okay. I don't think there's as much to talk about regarding Lone Echo because it's not as crunchy, mechanically speaking, as something like Super Meat Boy. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, great game, great game. I, I'm, I, I loved it. Recommend, yeah. Uh, 
Well, and and I also on your guys's recommendation, I started I can fell. Hey, hey. I uh, bought it on the Nintendo Switch and uh Oh shit, you bought it. Okay. Good about that. Got about a, an hour in and then got stuck at a boss. You got stuck at a boss. Oh, got is it stuck it? at a boss? Oh. What's the beacon? Do you, do you guys remember beacon? It's the fireball with the angry face on it. Oh, one of the 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 when you light the two torches. Uh, you light the two torches, then you go to a tavern, and the tavern keep wants you to clear out some monsters in the basement, and the oh. boss of those monsters oh. is Beacon. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, in the hole. That, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beacon has a powerful special attack that is one hit KOing both my characters to the point where I have no free turns to recover, and I looked up a guide, and I gotta grind. I gotta go back through the rest of the basement and kill every animal in the universe to be able to kill the boss, because it's one of those RPGs where you don't know if you've grinded enough unless you die again and again and again. See, and that's look, how I you never know have this go issue. That's the same thing. They took me out of Persona for the same thing. I don't know how. Like, it, okay, it may be my natural instincts. From, from a lifetime of playing stealth game and horror games, it's totally an instinct of mine to want to avoid combat oh. and, and I, I remember feeling like I wasn't such a weirdo when I was a kid because people didn't want RPGs to have grinding back in those days there was like there was no, that's so not grinding finding the monsters that are on the map is not grinding have you played a JRPG yeah, I, I, have you played a JRPG? a JRPG I don't think you've played a JRPG man <laughs> because you have to farm the map this is literally, you go into a map, you just defeat the monsters that are there, and then you move on. Well, then why is it so easy to sneak past them? What do you mean? Why? Why You need choices? You hold down the sprint button and go in a straight line, and, and the monsters uh, have a little question, Metal Gear Solid-style question mark, then they lose track of you, and you can yeah, move you on can, fine, and it's like, there is... A, like I, I guess if you want to save the time, but at that point you get to a boss where the sheer mathematics of what you're working with will never beat that boss. So it's like, why? Just, just maybe narrow the tunnel a bit and and force me to fight the monsters. Then I'll do it. Then it just, it just feels bad to try a boss three times, die every time, and realize that I got to go back and do something three more times that I already did before. And, oh, this feels so bad because the game's so cute and lovable, and I love how shitty the graphics are. Shitty? They're beautiful. Don't say that. Oh, God. They're, the, the perspective is weird. There's no, like, like texture and detail to everything, and I love it because it means every single pixel on the screen is visible, and I can, I can immediately tell what I'm looking at, and I, I wish more games looked this, this, this bad. Yeah, I, I love that it's Undertale-inspired, right? It is Undertale-inspired, right? It's gotta be. It's, it feels I'm, very Undertale. It, I mean, probably. It gets emotional like it, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wrote down that rant before I went to bed last night, and I was feeling bad, and, and I I'm sure that when I pick it back up and go through all the other animals in the dungeon and 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 decimate the the universe's natural population to get past this boss, I'll be fine. But it reminded me that like Undertale doesn't Undertale is is kind of a shmup game. Like you can still use your Twitch skills to get through the combat. And I my characters at this point in Ickenfell, what what I what I had them at this this hour and a half in is just there's no way they can beat this boss. They die in one hit from this boss, and I, I don't know how George, much George, damage they're doing to this boss because I never managed to beat this boss. It's like saying, like, oh, okay, I'm going to power lift, like, 300 pounds, 
but you don't train for it. You just go like, oh, you just wait a month, boom. And you go to try to power lift 300 pounds, but yet you never train for it. But you just avoided the gym make, the whole fucking time. If you drove right past it, a, went right, right to McDonald's, or just have a, a double <laughs> McCheese. But uh-huh. if someone were to make a video game version of deadlifting 300 pounds, it would probably be a lot faster and easier oh my than God. the real thing. Well, yeah, and it, it is a, a lot faster and a lot easier to, to train. <sighs> but the, the <sighs> thing is, the thing is, I this is one of those things where I'm at a loss because this always happens. I think a game is easy, and and then someone else comes to me like, dude, like I can't do this, and I'm like, what? What do you? What do you? Like my friend came to me for a couple games, Hollow Knight especially, beginning of the game, couldn't. He keep dying, and I'm like, dude, like I don't. I mean, Hollow Knight is pretty tough. <laughs> I don't even know. It's, yeah, dude, that shit's easy to me. This shit's fucking easy. Well, one of my problems was that one of the areas you had to find was kind of hidden up by some foliage that was a pixelated fucking mess on the Switch handheld <laughs> mode. <laughs> oh, you mean finding? So that's a little bit different, but yeah, okay. Man, there is so much misleading, like like reviews and impressions about games transitioning over to the switch handheld mode don't play hades on the switch guys buy it on the pc there there's games that, the that, that need a big ass monitor it can not one of them i love i love how it can also looks great on the switch handheld mode yeah i was rolling around in bed trying to beat this boss wrote a, a big complaint about the burnout and the emptiness I feel inside about how I don't want to go back and and, and grind again. At this point in my life, it does not feel worth the time and effort because, my God, I'm going to die at, like, some ridiculously young age because I'm spending my time doing that bullshit instead of something more healthier. You should play Dragon Age. I don't know how you do it. How do you do it, Matt? So I'm I'm going to be the equilibrium here, and I actually think... I actually think... Efficiency. Oh, Ekenfell is slightly difficult if you do not engage with its combat the full extent, which is the timing of the button presses, which means you minimize the damage, mm-hmm. timing correct. Oh, to, yeah, you've got to gotta the, hit those button presses. Yeah, you, you've got to do it. By, and I, and that's the, the thing is, I I'm think, yeah, if you don't take out certain enemies, and I think Ekenfell is really clever because it makes you want to battle more because the battle system is really good. I actually think it's really nice. And Matt, Wait, obviously, what? you're a big fan of it. Wait, I thought you hated the shit. No, no, no. So I don't like the fact that there are so many monsters and you start so far apart. But I feel like once you get into it and your units are a bit closer, because yeah. my biggest problem when I played it, I think if we go back, is that you play battles so often if you are doing what we are doing, which is clearing the map right each time, is that every it feels weird to start so far apart and then have to have to spend two turns moving quite close just to fight. It's the fighting yeah. part that's really good, but that that moving close is so frustrating every time. And because as soon as you finish that battle, within thirty seconds you'll be doing another battle. You gotta spend two it's, turns to it's move It's because forward you haven't upgraded your abilities yet. Certain that is, abilities that is very yeah, true. Like uh, certain abilities are, are very far range. Sometimes you can teleport, yes. and you also don't want some and some some of your characters in the front. You just don't. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's the thing is up until like when you get into school and stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at at the moment. Up until you do that, You're still playing? Yes, I am. Which is good. Which is a good sign. Um, <laughs> is up until and especially where George is when you're finding Beacon. I I think you don't have enough powers to really be able to get that feeling. And the and the beginning is maybe not a good 
representation of like the battle system and it's and it's exciting part i think it's yeah. a good representation of like the narrative and the music and everything that's really cool about you can fail like the fact that there's three yeah. different sprites for each character which is still fucking dope to me that's oh, so and cool I, I love how weird the the battle sprites look for for Marette. she came out with like a, this weird slantiness to oh it looks awful i love it it's it's very cool yeah. But um yeah, the strategy guide actually said make sure your characters are level 4 and that you have unlocked the healing ability before you can do this boss and I'm just um, I'll I'll do it later. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> it's a, it's it's it seems like Matt's games have always just been Matt's games now. Like it used to be like, "Oh, we all play a couple games that are similar." Now it's just like there's Matt games there's definitely George games, and then there's Liam games, and me and Liam yeah. cross over way more than me and we, George. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I think uh, we definitely yeah. do. Liam may not finish yeah, think, games, but ooh, what's that? I, uh, I, 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 I don't have much patience for JRPG stuff anymore. I but, think but it's not JRPG. Play play Dragon Quest and come back to me. <laughs> Fucking Dragon Quest will have you crying. <laughs> Crying, dude. It's so true. It's very, very true. (laughs) It is a disparaging difference. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, you you kill stuff that's on the map and you're learning the game? That's way different than Dragon Quest would literally have to grind. You literally have to grind. You played the demo, right? At Dragon Quest XI, right? Mm. Did you play it? I don't I, think so. I don't remember it. Oh, okay. Because there, there's, I did, but there, it's like there's one I, part of the combat that I think would, you would scream about, which is the fact that you can move around in combat, <laughs> but it does nothing. You you got to turn that shit off, man. Classic camera all the way, man. You can't yeah. do that shit. That shit is move, so annoying. You can move around, but it does absolutely fucking sweet fa. It does nothing. It is the most infuriating thing. It's so funny. Why? Why? Why is it there? What purpose does you moving around, even though enemies' attacks are, are homing on you because it's an RPG? Uh, they probably <laughs> at one point were tr- trying to do something, and then they like just disabled everything, just like removed. I it imagine it's like a, a remnant yeah. of a leftover time. Yeah. But oh wow, yeah, it is. Holy shit! Odds as hell. Oh, so well. you can move around, but. You know, you, it, it, like it literally <laughs> says it, and I was like, "Oh, you can okay." Move around, but it doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, thanks. Like reviewers game. say, like, yeah, just disable it. Just <laughs> yeah, disable it. nothing changes. <laughs> I really see the camera angles and stuff because, like, it, it makes the attacks look a little bit more um, juicy. It does well, make the ca- attacks look more juicy. Um, speaking oh. of juicy, uh, I've been playing a snack and slash called uh, Dungeon Munchies. Uh, chapter two. It's it's an early access game. Chapter two just came out, and it's is what I would consider a fun game. You know, um, <laughs> define genre fun. Yeah, like yeah, I just like <laughs> I want to get on IGN.com organized by genre fun games. Fun, fun game, like. <laughs> It's good. It, the story, it, the story is funny um, because it's literally it you're a like zombie a that gets awakened by a a necromancer that likes to cook, and the recipes help you gain abilities, and 
there's a bunch of like like um vegetables and fruits that can talk and you cook them and there's like this whole like political thing going on where like they have to like feed themselves to like animals and stuff because the lord of the forest told tells them to and their rebellion they they they're making a rebellion against the lord of the forest because they don't want to be they're more than just fruits and vegetables now you know they're they're sentient and and shit like that and it's just a weird fucking story um but it's fun it's fun like the thing is the thing is like you can do a lot of things you can have guns you can have you can dual wield you can it looks weird when you look at it if you ever see like like video is it of it? a Metroidvania? Huh? It looks like a Metroidvania. Is it a Metroidvania? Mm, I'm gonna. It's a little bit like it, but not. It doesn't have fully. the tag. It's but very it linear. Totally looks like it in, yeah. in screenshots and trailers. Like it's got that tunnely, claustrophobic. Yes. Feel with vertical shafts. A lot of vertical shafts. You do get upgrades, mm. but it's handed to you. Um, you get forced surgeries to get those. Um, it's clever. It's very clever, and it's very it's very amusing. I'm not gonna lie, it is very easy. Like, okay, uh. there's like, I would say for me, super games like Super Meat Boy is hard for me, and that's pretty much a, where that line is. Then there's how like can everything you say else. Something so so bold yet so controversial. Hmm. Super Boy, Super Boy, like that's annoying to me. Super Meat Boy is annoying, but I've also played that years ago. Um, things like Hollow Knight, stuff like that. I feel like that's that's pretty pretty. Like I would die, but I can beat that game and easily, right? And then you have games like like this. Like this is this is dirt easy. Like you find a build that works, and you're tearing through people. Um, just you know, just eat the right foods. So you get to pick out of like six <laughs> foods to like like, and they have all different abilities, and they, they it's. Um, that will work with like poison if you want to go to a poison build or it like it's nuts it's it's great but if you find a good build you stick with it i'm pretty sure you'll do okay i had like a two axe build and um basically every time i hit um i get a shield and every time i also hit it builds up uh, attack speed and damage and since I had two axes, it also activated the ability to spin around like Garen from League of Legends. So spin oh, the okay. wind. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. Spin like the wind, baby. It, there's a lot of uh, sword. Like there's there's a lot of cool shit that you can do. Um, it is a good game. I'm gonna go say it's, it's a good. It. I don't know if it's easy because I found a build that worked, or it's easy because it's easy. But I, I do think it's. I do think it's pretty easy. If you're okay with like a little easy game that's gonna be fun, I would say yeah. I think it's like twelve dollars on sale. You know, um, that's that's Dungeon Munchies. I've been playing a game that you. It's another game that you probably you guys have never heard of. Um, you want to guess? Good. You want to guess? Yeah, this one looks pretty good. Want to guess? Dude, there's no way we can is guess. It, like, is it on you, Game Pass? Is it Game Pass? No, you, no. You, you were like, like literally the source of this stuff for a lot of listeners. Like, like you, you find things that are truly gems. 
There's no way we can guess what you're going to play next. So, Gujin 3. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, yes, Gujin. So, I loved Gujin 1 and 2. <laughs> Gujin 3 is a mass 3D role-playing video game developed by Oregon Infotech, a subsidiary of Wang Yuan Shentang. Up, it's the up. third what? installment of the Gujan series. We need to clarify that the name has a whole bunch of really complicated looking Chinese characters before it says in parentheses Gujan 3. Um, <laughs> that game. <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't understand how it's like. Let's see. How many reviews it has? Oh, okay. A lot of people have played it. Like, bro, this flew under my radar for a while. This? I wonder why. It looks like Black Desert or one of uh, that Korean, like those Korean MMOs. It looks like so that. It's, yeah, it's a which, Chinese. Which Asia is this? It's a Chinese game with like, I don't know if it's Chinese lore. I, I don't know much about Chinese lore, but. A resident expert. It looks really fucking good. Ooh. Like it's it like cinematic. Look right it, it's like, it, there's, yeah, obviously there's no, there's no mocap. There's no mocap. So sometimes you can see like the characters being very like stiff. But mm-hmm. trust well, me, it does English not fucking matter. It does not fucking matter at all. And the translation is a little... It leaves a little room to be, dis- you know... Okay, so maybe better. not an official localization studio in English. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's good enough. because. But it everything else... Pretty. It's super pretty. Like, not because of the graphics. It's the the way they make the environment. Like... It looks a little, and it looks uh, funny. It, it reminds me a little of Ghost of Tsushima, a little bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like if you see like the first town you're in, just the way mm. they build the build around the mountain, it just it just looks cool. There's this like part where you're walking through this hallway, and it's like all marble, and there's light coming in from all the sides, and it's this long hallway, and you're like. God damn, like, who's thinking of this shit? Like, everything just looks good. <laughs> it's like there's a cinematographer just like, all right, so we're going to have this and that. And then, like, it's fucking, it's, 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 it's a joy to look at. I'm not going to lie. And, um, yeah. It, it looks like, and I, I mean this in the best way possible, it looks like a game from the PS2 era of video games like it's gorgeous but like all the ui and the combos and the and the animations is not mm. no capped it, it looks like you're playing a video game like you'd walk in on somebody you'd be like hey what's this you're playing it's not of this era it doesn't look of like a 2020 video game it looks like a 2006 2007 video well, game in I, a good I don't way. know like it shading and rendering like there's yeah there's there's volumetric fog no no i'm not i'm not HDR i'm not talking lighting. i'm not talking definitely about doesn't look like a graphic but no, I know. No, no. I understand I, what you mean by like the, the vibe, the just vibe. An animation and movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the entire yeah, yeah, like I'm yeah. watching somebody play a random Dynasty Warriors game and it's really good, or like an action combat game. You know, you'd be like, oh, what's this? Uh, you know, com- something completely random. It looks like that era, the vibe. Yeah, Not yeah. saying graphically at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like it you, sold you see, one point like, three million copies. Dude, like so it. It's an open fucking like it's 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 not open world but it the illusion is pretty fucking good like it, 
the way it's like a masterclass and in, in, I, I know it's weird to say that shit sounds so freaking corny but masterclass in like environments like you feel good playing this game like yeah, they're I like love oh the look of this here it is walk you can walk around and pick shit up and it's just like okay shit i never felt so good walking around and picking random fucking flowers up like this is cool <laughs> yeah it's um and you can jump thank god how how <laughs> Fucking how? hell, I hate games when you can't jump. How did you find it? I'm interested. Oh, oh that shit pops real. up. That shit just pops up on Steam now. So was you it like, are, you are they're, they're like, oh man, you play game. too many games. Here you go. You, you are saving the game economy. Seriously. Well, was it popular in China first before it showed up on your recommended had, feed? Well, I don't I don't know. Is there a China Steam? It seems like is, the is there previous... China Steam? Yeah. It this seems like the previous is... two games were not localized into English. This is the first one. So, yeah, yeah China has an actual game industry going on now, huh? This I mean, China's, is, China's we massive. We keep talking about it. China's games industry is massive. Yeah, Earlier like, this year... But it's very centrally localized in China. I'm fucking missing out because this... This <laughs> is, is this, this is good. <laughs> this is good. And, and I'm not going to say this is like the best thing. This is the best thing ever. It's not, the, it's not the best thing ever, but it's so. It's it's like different. You know? It just. It's made different intrigued. enough to be like, shit, yeah, I'll sit down here and play this for a few hours. You know? Just, yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah, like, finally, something a little bit like uh, not Western? I don't know. Like. It I just feels, intrigued. it's like putting on new pants, you know? You just like, <laughs> you stretch them out a little bit like, oh shit, this shit feels good. <laughs> like, damn. So, yeah. So one of, one, of, one of the biggest, most important games of the year is Genshin Impact, right? Yeah. And and earlier, you you were playing a, a more minor, small FPS named Bright Memory, but I remember you having fairly positive opinions on that. And uh, I'm really intrigued to see how Chinese games develop culturally, like like how whether how different they'll be from from Japanese and Western games in comparison. Because like the characters definitely look anime inspired, but it also seems like they pay a little more in- attention to environmental art than Japanese artists seem to want to do. Yeah, where a lot of the focus on the aesthetics is more on the character instead, and and it's like. All three of those games are gorgeous to look at. Like, there's definitely a love for for aesthetics that, that these developers are putting in there that have not exactly the look we are used to. You know, it's it's so culturally interesting to see how how many more of them are going to go. There was uh, one Digital Foundry video they did on a game that uh, was more of a tech demo, but a Chinese studio was making a game version of the um, Odyssey to the West story. Oh, yeah, that's, like that's what it reminds that me of. Beautiful. Black Myth. Wow. That's what it reminds yeah, me. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of Black the Wukong, Myth. The Wukong game. Like yeah. and that, that if it has it's like real, the same oh. feeling. Black Black Myth obviously looks fucking phenomenal. But like, like yeah, it really reminds me of that coming out of coming out of the People's Republic these days. <laughs> it, it's it's like dense. <laughs> it's it's like the environments are so dense. Like it just looks. How do you? Like I don't like you play a game like this and you're like, God, like, what? How? Why? Why? Why are games not like this all the time? Like, like I wish. Like it, I swear. I swear to you, Liam. I swear. If the I'm con- sorry, if they had no cap, if they had no cap, and they had, and they had like, um, let's say like 
um, uh, Yakuza or even I would even say cyberpunk uh, cyberpunk level detail in the in the face and everything like that. Yeah. This game would be like next gen. Like I mean, that's the way thing, right? you, so see you can Wukong totally flex it as next gen. It's not next gen, but you can to- totally flex it. Well, that's the thing with the with the Black Mist, right? With with the Wukong game, it's like you look at that and you're like, wait. Is this even real? Is this possible? Yeah, yeah. Is this even possible? And you just never know because it's so... The, the Chinese game market and also Chinese development does not integrate with the rest of the world. Like, you think of GDC and everything like that. You, there's not Chinese developers there. Even at TGS, when you go to the Tokyo yeah. Game Show, you'll have Chinese mobile publishers that publish gacha games in Japan, but it's so localized on China. And and before now, like there were so many more copycats. We're finally seeing like unique, high quality AAA stuff that doesn't look like existing games. Right. Uh, which was one of the big criticisms over Genshin. But the longer Genshin seems to stick around, the less and less like a Breath of the Wild clone it seems to be talked about. I mean, it's weird because like this game is made in Gamebryo, uh, Gujin, really? right? It's in Gamebryo. <laughs> you know, it's. Wow. Uh, probably the latest one. Wait, wait, I mean, wait, which one? Which which game are you talking about? This uh, game. Gu- uh, Guji- Gujin 3, the one you're oh, playing. Okay, Gamebryo. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's an engine. It's a game engine that is made in the US, right? So, like, they've just got it, and, and they just take it, and they probably wow. just build their own propriety engine, engine around shit. it. shit. The website looks like and, trash, uh, and they made this? Wow. It's very old. Um, it seems that they made the they made the original Gujan. Uh, we're pronouncing that probably terribly, but um, in, in this engine, and you know, I, I don't want to oversell it. I don't want to oversell it. All right, mm-hmm. it's it's just that it's it's hard to articulate how different the game feels than a lot of the shit that you play these days. You know, it's like, man, like, because it feels like we've, we've, we're, we're like, we're, we're not really going up anymore when it comes down to gaming. Like, it's nothing really exciting. You know, there's a lot of disappointment this year with gaming, <laughs> aside from all the other shit. You know, lots of fucking disappointments, even the ones, you know, you know, very recently. This one something different and it doesn't cost that much insane 22 dollars yeah i would say look up a review or something like that the combat is uh the com i the combat is okay so far is it, it's an action combat you know you run it, around it looks a bit s- like it looks a bit devil may cry ish yeah watching. yeah yeah like it's it's cool and you have like a, a whole star um uh, constellation um, upgrade tree thing that's pretty cool but yeah it's 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 an RPG you upgrade stuff you have equipment yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting and I'm I'm very uh, I'm very excited to see what like other Chinese games I don't know <laughs> to be honest I kind of want to I kind of want to try a couple of other Chinese games if they, if they actually exist more on and more as yeah. the, the years go on definitely as the way the world is shaping out to be we're we're all going to be playing more Chinese games in the future <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just make sure you don't put Winnie the Pooh in them yeah mm. don't do that they're going to steal all our information oh no China 
<laughs> That's it. They've already got Matt. <laughs> they've yeah, already, they've already got, got the dad me. and sons in their sights. I'm gonna play me my game. I don't, I don't yeah. care. They can take I'm my. Take a take. Take a take my. When info. the year, when, whenever the year comes that there's like a Chinese <laughs> Okami game, like like a, a Chinese game box from all my life. Go ahead, go sorry, sorry, Oh my god. <laughs> I was just gonna say how much I'm looking forward to like the more earnest cultural projects. Like this uh the the Black Myth Wukong game definitely seems to fit that vibe. Yeah. Like uh an, an old Chinese folklore turned into games is what I'm really, really looking forward to seeing come seeing happen over the next few years. Yeah. 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 There it is. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There it is. We all played games, all varied and interesting this week. I'm proud of us. Look at us. This is probably Look the most boring episode so far. <laughs> no, um, wait, wait for it. We get into the news. I, I, I watched a uh, cool Netflix show. You wait, did. Wait, you watched a Netflix show? What is that? Yeah, yeah. I. It's totally a George show. Barbarians. It's a German-made show oh. taking place during the Roman Empire from the perspective of the Germanic barbarians at the time. And one of the things that I think is so fun is that the Roman characters actually speak Latin. I knew you were going to say that. That for yeah. some reason, I knew you were going to say that because it came up. Did it come up on Twitter or something this week? It totally did. Yeah, yeah I saw it the same video. You you don't get to hear that so much, and the way they pronounce it, it totally sounds like like primitive, rough proto Italian. It's a, the the people who are pronouncing it um, do a little bit of a, a sing song, a up and down, a yeah, like uh, like you hear stereotypical Italian, but you see subtitles with V words, but the characters are saying it with W's. You hear a lot of uh, uh, aqua. That, that that prefix keeps showing up in a lot of Latin words for some reason. Everyone is aqua something. Um, but yeah, besides the cool archaeological details, like it's got really good looking sets, really good looking armors. One of the things that I think is so fun is that uh, the one of the big Roman villains is wearing this helmet with um, <laughs> a really like Dark Souls looking screaming shrub uh, carved into bronze on top of it, and and. I'm sure that just like real people back then, this guy looks big and intimidating. And when you look at him talking, you don't know whether you should look him in the eyes or look at the little face and the helmet above his face. It's a really, really cool, interesting sensation that, that feels like it's capturing the intent of that kind of armor design. Um, the uh, the drama is is fun. Like like that villain in particular is just really despicable. I love hating despicable villains. God, I just want to punch both his faces in. Um, the uh, main characters are, are are super likable, fun, heroic type characters. They almost seem to be tapping into the kind of energy you get from an '80s action cartoon. You, you got two. Uh, Three leads, two males and one female. And then the males are like big, hairy, they have a good sense of humor, they slap their beer tankards together. The the, the female lead is is this fierce, angry warrior woman with, with sh short hair and an athletic build and a thirst for revenge. And she like weirdly provides the more serious edge of the stuff where those two guys provide like kind of a, a comic edge to it. It's good fun, it's a really good show. I think this is definitely like, some of the most fun I've had with this this George Ancient World stuff since watching HBO Rome itself. We finally have two <laughs> two good Rome shows in the modern era since like like I Claudius in the seventies. George George, when when is this when is this bit gonna stop though? I feel like you've been uh, on this like Rome bit for a very weird, long time. It? 
Yeah, it's a bit weird, man. It's getting a little concerning. I will tell you something. I definitely started to feel it fade away a bit when I the election happened. Oh, and then I was going to say Mortals Phoenix Risings. Uh, yeah, Phoenix Rising then came out too. But yeah, no, I, I would absolutely <laughs> not be surprised if my interest in in the decline of the Roman Empire starts fading away as the uh, the decline of the American Empire becomes more and yeah, more decline of civilization swallow situation. Yeah, decline of civilizations is no fun when the decline of actual real civilizations is happening around you. Yo, my favorite YouTube channel right now is Fall of Civilizations. Fucking excellent two-hour-long documentaries I've been falling to sleep with. Oh, God, that guy is good. Anyways. If, if anybody wanted to know, that was seven death bangs out of a good eight. Oh, that, that feels that, so that, good to bang. That's how... Damn. <laughs> Damn, that's what Matt was saying yesterday. <laughs> we had to wake him up. T t Anyways, that's, that's, wow. that's a private conversation we were having. Wow. <laughs> this, this stuff's so good, I'm banging my desk in, in excitement. Getting spicy. Speaking of spice, uh, you guys, do you guys want to move on, or do we have any more small talk left over? I think we've uh, small talked ourselves through Christmas, through to 2021. Okay. okay. So before we get into the more serious stuff, I wanted to talk about some Game of the Year awards that are uh, getting handed out before we do ours in a couple weeks. Polygon, IGN, and Rock Paper Shotgun have chosen Hades. GameSpot has chosen Half-Life Alex. Game Informer has chosen Last of Us 2. How, how do we feel about these choices, guys? GameSpot choosing Half-Life Alex. That's quite a surprise. Yeah, that seems like the outlier to me. I get it. I'm a little sad that I'm not one of those... That, that it didn't stick as hard with me as it did with, with their editors, I guess. I think it's a very good game. I'm just kind of like... Yeah, definitely. It feels like a lifetime ago. I, and, and was when I was pre-COVID almost. When I was playing it it, 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 it's something I've been wanting for such a long time. But I, I remember, like, Matt was also surprised at, like, how quickly it seems to have kind of fizzled from the, the collective consciousness of us over the years. Yeah, mm -hmm. it has... I mean, it's, it happens every year, though. Like, every year, games that tend to get released towards, from September to December always get factored in the most towards... I mean, when was Last of Us 2, though? July? Yeah, but Final Fantasy was earlier this year, and people love that thing. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot of Final Fantasy remake on the Game Awards. Last of Us 2 so is much, June. Not so much with the actual Game of the mm. Year prizes they're handing out. Hades no. seems to be the star this year. Hades looks like everyone's favorite, and I'm Hades and the Last of Us too. and Ghost of Tsushima. I think are the main three. Yeah, but in my case, I almost want to say, "Oh, well, you know, we'll be Wait, actually whoa, talking whoa, about whoa. it in a couple of weeks." Whoa! Spoilers. I'll just say I'm surprised I'm not seeing as much Star Wars Squadrons on these lists as 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 I was being pandered to when playing <laughs> uh, yeah Demon Souls remake isn't showing up so much Doom Eternal seems like something that's kind of fizzled away as as the year goes on as well I am surprised at how no much surprise. Animal Crossing gets though why like, it's literally like the most played game of the year out of all of these games it sold more copies than all of these games combined like I, Does it I, surprise you? I can confidently say at this point Whoa. that I did not actually have that much fun playing Animal Crossing this year. But I didn't have any fun playing The Last of Us 2, but ergo... Matt loved it. Exactly. Well, which game? Last, Last of, us. of Us 2. Last of Us. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed that game. 
Well, game of the year? Game oh, of the year, yeah, man? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, whoa, whoa, maybe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Stop the spoilers. Come on. Chill out. No. We've got a 150th episode to do. And we Wait, have are we recording right stories. now? Is, is, yes. Is this part of the, the podcast? Are we just... Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, this, is, we are, this is news bands at my brain. I didn't... We're, oh, we're yeah. Talking, I, didn't see it, I didn't see it on the on the news doc. So I'm like, oh, we just having a conversation about... Uh, <laughs> my it's one of the yellowed, over here. It's one of... Behind the curtain, it's one of the yellowed ones. Um, the ones we skip over fast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, 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 just a little bit of, of of light conversation before we go into the heavier ones. A little bit of a wet. I can see. Taster. I can see Last of Us being chosen. I can't see Half Life Alex being chosen. It was by Gamespot, yeah. which is unique. Yeah. Hades. But I can sympathize. Empathize. I, I understand. I understand how that would get someone tickled enough to pick it. I absolutely can imagine what being in that mindset would was. Was like. it like first VR game? I, oh my god, VR! Right. Whoa! Yes, yes. Yeah, if probably. someone had waited long enough to play Half-Life Alex until... Someone who had waited long enough to play good VR until Half-Life Alex, it absolutely would be your game of the year. Totally. That was, that that was me, That is the killer though. app. That was me. That was me. Yeah. So I was so that person. Do you get it? Do you understand? Like, like, do you do you feel? I, I thought Half Life Alex was fantastic, but it is one of those things we just mentioned. It is like in my memory, it is not that strong of an experience. I, I think yeah. it was a great overall experience, but like when you take everything away, that kind of is the video game part of it. It's not that great of a game overall. Um, I think it's a strong, strong VR experience, right? It's definitely best VR game for me, but I have not played Squadrons in VR, so we can argue to the cows come home about that. Um, Maybe GameSpot's editors played a lot more of the mods than we've been doing. Maybe that's what what, what was going on. I mean, on with that their probably decision. doesn't factor into it. I imagine you can't. They wouldn't. I mean, I would hope they wouldn't rank the game based on oh, whether I you could mod it or not. Otherwise, well, Skyrim I would, would win a, every year. What you get for your money is it, that includes the mods, right? Well, you're talking about the base game, though, right? They're not going to review a video game based on what mods you have for it. Yeah. 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 So why would they to make, do it for the game of the year showcase? If someone were to make a, a review of Crusader Kings 3, for example, I think you would, at this point, now that it's been a few months after launch and that content is out oh, there, man. I think it would Crusader be diligent. Kings. Oh, yeah. That's a great game, too. Damn. This year's... This is weird because this year has been stacked full of pretty uh, outstanding games generally. Yeah, you got like, you know, Wasteland but, 3 and shit. Yeah, exactly, right? But nothing feels like overly strong. I... Like uh, compared to other years. It doesn't I... feel like there's an outlier. I think Cyberpunk was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait to I can't wait to see you voting your game of the year in the 150th episode, Matt. <laughs> so so Cyberpunk is definitely going to be remembered uh, for a lot of reasons that uh, might not be great. Uh, uh, one of which is I guess how well it exemplifies the cyberpunk dystopia we actually live in. So uh, much like in classic cyberpunk fiction, such as Deus Ex, a uh, deadly plague has has decimated the economic and political power of the United States, and uh, a vaccine being distributed by rich people is 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 a whole cyberpunk plot of its own, full of full of nepotism I'm let, I'm and conspiracy. Let, I'm gonna let people take that shit first. I'm not gonna be the first one, man. Oh no! Don't don't no, Matt. It's I'm not gonna 20, be the first one, man. I'm gonna let Obama and Bush do it. 
tens of thousands of people were were testing this stuff all all year. You're. I'm just gonna throw I'm out there one million one million people across the world have taken it. There have only been two side effects in cases. I, I think that's a pretty good record. Matt, Vaccines are great. Let's do it. Be fine. Yeah, I I have to. I have to. There has to be some voice on the podcast that that wants to you know believe that oh, this is all going to go south, right? There, there shouldn't be a voice <laughs> on the podcast spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories, though. Agreed. Uh, one thing that's been happening over the past week it's is terrible. That some misinformation. Trump, twenty twenty. What? <laughs> Matt, was that your roommate? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dustin. <laughs> so. I was attempting to segue into the streaming rules included in the U.S. COVID relief package they just passed. You know, the $600 let them eat cake uh, uh, relief package. It, it, it might get voted oh, up to $600. I could pay my phone bill with that. <laughs> I know, right? It might get voted up to $2,000 as the week goes on. So this might be obsolete by the time the episode comes out. But... Uh, the the both houses of the U.S. Congress have passed this relief bill. President Trump has signed up on it, and it includes some new rules, civil, yeah, criminal penalties for illegal streaming. There was some panic in the video game community over whether or not this stuff would be targeting Twitch streamers, and upon closer scrutiny of the bill itself, that seems to not be the case. So included in our, our $600 COVID relief package is the Protecting Lawful Streaming Act, which is um, a bipartisan bill sponsored by both Republicans and Democrats, but it's a Republican from, I believe, North Carolina, yeah, Tom Dillis, who is uh, writing the press releases regarding this thing. It's um, aimed at punishing large-scale piracy operations that, to me, sound a lot like they're describing the putlocker stuff in... um, in the bill, you know, you know, when you get on DuckDuckGo and type in the Mandalorian, you can put in some keywords <laughs> after that to figure out how to. Work. Um, the Protecting Lawful Streaming Act is. Uh, going why you had to mention to... the Mandalorian? Huh? Uh, yeah, I wonder. Huh? I wonder why. I, I don't know why I decided to pick that. It just came in my. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for, go for ahead. No reason. Uh-huh. But you know, uh-huh. luckily for us, this bill <laughs> is not going to be targeting individuals who might use private streaming services. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, pirate streaming services, rather. Uh, the language in the bill targets digital transmission services that are primarily designed for, which is one of the stipulations in the clause. Uh, that have no commercially significant purpose or use other than services that are intentionally marketed and do promote the fact that they publicly perform works protected under Title 17 copyright laws, which in court would not describe Twitch. Um, they, uh, the bill has clauses in the end that like specify that this stuff should not be targeting good faith traditional business practices that have become entrenched parts of their industries at this point uh the bill also includes something people are talking less about that you might hear more about in the future it's something called the case act the c-a-s-e abbreviates some ridiculously long acronym uh the case act is going to create a new copyright court system in uh in the, in the united states governments where where copyright holders can be awarded up to thirty thousand dollars in damages if they find their work being shared online this is an aspect of the bill that's getting more criticism from the um usual uh copyright activist 
groups like the Electronic Frontier Foundation and Fight for the Future. They don't like the CASE Act. The the illegal um, felony criminal streaming stuff, that's probably not going to be a big deal. The CASE Act may become a bigger deal later as this stuff gets reformed more and more. Uh, Tom Tillis also wants to reform the DMCA completely. This is the mechanism that has allowed both YouTube to monetize its content and copyright holders to strike it. I think it might be time for a reform, but I wouldn't want to put it in the hands of someone like Tom Tillis. Uh, Tillis is working on a complete reform of the DMCA that would include a notice and stay down provision that could make copyright bots like YouTube's content ID stricter. Um, oh God! Yeah, yeah. So why can why is this in all? Why is all of this in an <laughs> act? Because it's harder. You, in in um, the U.S. government, where a simple majority takes all in so many of the procedures of our system, a lot of bills are easier to get passed if you staple them onto something more important. Yeah. But this is about corrupt. Oh my God. <laughs> Why do we even bother living at this point? I don't know. You know, I asked that question, too. Right? Like, what are we actually supposed to do when we're 50 and 60? The the answer is Gujin 3. The Gujin 3. You you wait for the games like that. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is why I play games. Right here. And Yakuza 7. There's some faith there. Mm -hmm. Faith that things are going to be okay. You know, oh or or, or a nice a nice acai bowl, man, from your favorite acai bowl place. That's 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 the so stuff. So how much we're do you get about. when this passes? How much mm-hmm. do you get this? Uh, Wait, we're supposed you... to get six hundred. Is this a part of this COVID relief bill? If you are under a certain income level, let's, wait, let's is actually, it, is this, maybe I should is, look that up. Is this a part of this COVID relief bill? Yes. Oh it's my God! Part of Japan the, literally gave well, me a thousand dollars within a month of Corona happening, and they gave it to every single. Citizen in Japan. I got $1,200 six months after. <laughs> wow. Um, this was not stapled onto any bill. This was just a government decision. The, the, the thing wow. is, is that this is, this is the government's budget for this year, is, is how this stuff all got stapled together and, and was passed because... It's it's the whole budget, and and Donald Trump released this ridiculous press release about how much foreign aid is included in that when that was in his proposals from earlier this year, and and it's anyways. Um, Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. This these 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 new copyright laws are included in the COVID relief package, and the one that is most complete at the moment is is probably not something to be as alarmed about as uh, the the CASE Act and the incoming DMCA reforms that are probably going to become bigger news stories next year as uh, they uh, they they get more time in the spotlight. <sighs> Uh, next news story we have coming up is a Liam story. You wanted us to cover Raw Furry, Fury, that is, releasing their wow. game publishing contract. Oh, here we go again, George. Fury. We know, we know you like the furries, man. <laughs> it's spelled almost the same. It is one R off. It's Fury. It's so, so close. I, I, no, this story is in there. I know you should read huh? about it. But, this, like, compared to everything else, this is a... a incredibly on-the-point gaming-related story and is possibly one of the most important stories related to indie games literally all year. 
We always so, talk about random news, and yet here we are. This is one of the most important stories about indie games <laughs> all year. And we didn't have it on until I pointed it out. Liam's going to be way, way better at reading the documents here than the rest of us. They, they published their, their publishing agreement um, and also some like slideshow templates for how to pitch your game, some um, financial agreement forms. But, uh, I, oh, sorry, sorry, back up. We're talking about Raw Fury, the publishers of uh, games that are, like, kind of small but still kind of popular. Literally, uh, they, 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 all right, all right, all right. Sit they, down, they did Kingdom. They did, they they did, did West Kingdom, of Dead. Night Call, West of Dead. They did a lot of games. They're basically the equivalent to Devolver in indie publishing. They are as big, almost, as Devolver. They are the other big guys that you want to go to to get money. They, they are. They are. They are. Because when I look through their lineup, there's not a lot of recognizable titles. not a lot, yeah. Yeah. Those guys are the ones making just as much money as Devolver, just in different ways. That's going to be a fucking good game. Backbone's going to be great. Ernog, Earn Limited is making as much money as like Hot Now We're we're talking Kingdom has sold like 2 million copies. Kingdom maybe. Dandara, Bad North, Kingdom Two Crowns, Call of the Sea just came out. They're obviously but doing Sable, Backbone, and The Last Night. Kingdom is the only one of those that I actually recognize. Uh, well, anyway, 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 this is, anyway, this is anyway. why this is why this is why we're talking about it. Anyway, the point being, so my hands up. The guy who released it is Johan Torreson, who is a very good friend of mine, I will admit. Oh, Jesus but, Christ. Right, stop. Wait, mm, wait, wait. Because I am both simultaneously biased and also not. This is incredibly important. So what happened is, for anybody who doesn't know, Raw Fury basically released their publishing contract with an indie developer. So if you were to sign a game under their publishing deal, this is the contract you would sign. And these contracts are so secret and so NDA'd usually that people don't even know what they look like. So, for indie, and let's talk about indie developers. Usually, people making their first game or their second, they've never had a game published. This is the contract they're going to see, and they will have never seen it before. And these contracts, there's no templates online. There's nothing you would ever find. And the reality is these contracts are long. They are full of legalese. You need a lawyer... And they are worth editing. Now, the point is, in transparency, Raw Fury released it to kind of help improve and start the conversation around dev publishing and around getting things moving in the video games industry, which led to a lot of other developers releasing their... Co- a lot of other publishers releasing their contracts. Therefore, everybody's able to sort of see and level the playing field. It came with a lot of criticism from... And I'm going to throw it out there already very successful indie developers who have no reason to sign publishing contracts whatsoever, so it's kind of weird and strange, um, who criticized Raw Fury for basically picking out the contract and going through it and saying, I would never sign this, this is terrible. Like, oh, they're basically stealing your money. Even though these people are millionaires who already are very successful. Um, But the important thing is, finally, as somebody who has signed a couple of contracts in the past... Mm-hmm. Finally, people are seeing what it's like and what it takes to get a game made. And the reality is, it's really hard and you're probably not going to make any money. Even though Raw Fury give you the best tools possible. There's a lot in that contract that is not very good. Not very good. 
clauses and stuff. But the one thing people fail to mention, and why I bring it up, because you probably, if you follow the games industry at all, you might have seen this on Twitter, and you might have seen JW, previously of Van Bear, Pick It Apart, and some other people. These contracts are negotiable and mm-hmm. editable. That is yeah. a blanket, boilerplate, contract but at least you can see the extent of what it is a lot of it is pushback now raw fury do do one thing that a lot of developers don't like which is they have a flat 50 50 rate between them and you which doesn't change and they have full riku and then 10 percent on top which is also not very good um but there's a lot of things they do do for you and they give you 500 dollars towards a lawyer for you to get a lawyer to check out the contract which devs usually do not have lawyers like, if you're talking about a dude pitching your student game to Roof Yuri, and they've all of a sudden you get lucky enough that they want to sign you, this contract will take months. I'm talking like three to four months to go through. Back and forth, back and forth, lawyer to lawyer, changing this, changing that. Like, you're signing away a big chunk of your rights when you do this. So it's so important that we have these tools and these resources online for people to know what they're going into. And this is a good start to that. I felt, while the Raw Fury contract itself might not be perfect, I felt the criticism that Raw Fury and those uh, faced because the contract wasn't perfect towards developers was kind of bullshit. Like, their transparency throwing out basically their secret weapon, like the ability to manipulate devs behind closed doors with really shitty contracts, but they're not. They're showing that, hey, look, this is what we do. This is what's going to happen when you sign with us. And this is exactly how it is. It is negotiable, et cetera, et cetera. There's full transparency about this, which opens up the fact that other now publish, other publishers are doing it, like Whitethorn Games and all these kind of things, which means even more, we can sort of see the level playing field of the industry we work in. It's super important. There's a lot up and down about this. Um, but I feel like the slating of the transparency was not very good. Uh, and we can do better than slagging each other off the on the internet. But fifty percent revenue share, man, mm-hmm. that that is some good like YouTube um, West, <laughs> you know, back in the days <laughs> split right there. You know, fifty fifty. Yeah, remember those yeah, days? Even as a YouTuber, you don't want that kind of deal. You don't want that. You're not getting paid. You don't want. Man. You don't want. You don't want fifty. I know it sounds tempting, but you don't want fifty fifty on your own game either. You want. You want yeah, 60, you 40, 70, 30, or more. But the fact is, but, what, the reality is, Raw Furies is probably the average. It is the absolute average. You usually get less than that, to be honest. What so the I fuck? Have a, a <laughs> what? Hot take. Is it? It's true. That's insane, though. And and I feel, is that a cut from Steam too? Like, are is whatever they oh, get? Oh no 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 no! This is uh, so this is that fifty. Whatever 50 they is, get, they are splitting super that. Important. Yeah, that 50-50 is after two things. One, all of the platform holders take their cut first. Steam, Nintendo, PlayStation, Mm -hmm. etc. So then that pool of money then goes to the publisher. And the publisher takes all of their Riku money, which means all of the development costs. So if Ruff Yuri gave you $500,000 in the beginning to make the game, they have to make that $500,000 first before you see a penny. And this is the same with all... Publishers. It's YouTube. It's YouTube. That's basically then, what this shit is. Then all money huh. after that from platform holders after the five hundred thousand, you get fifty fifty. Fuck that, man. I I have a hot take. I think. Hot Go take. Go ahead, George. 
Hot cake uh, with hot steak. When I was steak. reading through this, I feel like it kind of explained why I don't recognize a lot of names on the War Fury lineup. Nah, dude. I'm sorry, man. That's Ooh. not... I, like, <laughs> like, this doesn't seem like you would want to put your magnum opus underneath all these closes. More like your quick little money makers. You will... I'm, right. So here's the reality of that. The reality is, unless you sign with five indie publishers, I'm going to say Devolver, Raw Fury, Thunderful Games, um, Team 17, and somebody else, you will not make any money. And the reason for that is the PR marketing backing of these five companies is large enough for you to compete in the market. If you go with a smaller indie publisher, unfortunately, you are not going to make any money. No, no matter how good your publishing contract is and you get 90% of your money, the fact is you won't make any money because these names are not big enough. Devolver and Rare Fury and Thunderful and all of these have big, huge marketing departments with a lot of money and a lot of ad spend. And that's and they will they will make you money if you sign with them, that, even if the contract's not good. That's why you got the 50-50 from like Machinima back in the day. Their marketing's right? not good enough for me to hear about these games. Dude, um, Crown Machinima sold like used two million to... copies. Do you know how much? Of, do you know how much of an indie success that is? That's insane. Crown is the only one on their list that I recognize. Bad, Bad North. Bad North is I don't it? recognize Bad North. I never saw it until... Well, I, I, I might have skimmed past it, but... But then tell me a Devolver game outside of Fall Guys and, like, Hotline Miami. No, oh, there's a do, few. Uh, the, uh, the monster game Matt was playing earlier this year where you're a big slime ball sloshing through the place. Mm-hmm. Carrion. They also mm-hmm. published the Shadow Warrior series. Uh, my friend Pedro... They, they're, lot they're of so games. good at marketing yeah, that I like yeah. their E3 show better than all the others. Yeah, but that's that's Devolver, right? But that money came from somewhere. It came from somewhere in the beginning, right? They're massive now, but it came from somewhere. Like, uh, we're talking the difference between millions and millions of copies of every title, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of units. The reality is, if you sell 100,000 units or 200,000 units to your video game, which is not a lot, you will make money. We're talking like Devolver sell millions. We're talking about like Fall Guys, which sold like twenty million copies. That's that's Fallout four levels of money. Like, it's like indie publishing, and I'm like massive fucking air quotes as big as possible because it's it's not. It's triple A money at this point, but they funnel it into lots of different projects that then get the Devolver marketing back in. If Two Crown sells two million, I'm telling you that is bank. That is. Bank, it's just like, not they have Game of Bank. Game of Thrones. They have like, they have everything. They have Serious Sam. They got, they oh, got yeah, Greece. They do have. Serious they got Greece, Sam, man. I played Katana Zero. Like, they, like I know all these games. Like, if if Devolver gave me a fifty-fifty, I'm taking that shit. I actually I don't would know be super... Raw Fury. I don't know them. <laughs> Backbone though. Backbone looks good. Play 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 the free uh, prologue on, on Steam. It shit looks good. It's I would good be super interested to know what Devolver's contract is, because one of the people who was tearing it apart was the guy who made uh, tearing Raw Fury's one apart was uh, JW who made Disc Room, and obviously mm-hmm. he made it with Devolver. I, I'm very interested to know. 
So, yeah. so let's Minute. let's hear your takes on these specific clauses, Liam. Let's 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 mm. put you on the coals here. Okay. Absolver. Um, I can keep going. I keep going with this. Shadow Warrior Two. I mean, Devol- yeah, this Enter is the point. Devolver. Yeah. Enter the dungeon. Enter the dungeon. Bro Force. Dude, let me let me let me let me bring up their their Dropbox so I can I can read the actual quotes. I have some some sum ups on the, the Talos uh, principle. The, God's will be the, watching the docket. But to make things really stressful, I'll um, I'll I'll do some exact what? quoting here because I really like okay. some of the extreme words they have here. All right, yeah, yeah. products desi- let, Let's talk about their merchandising agreement. Products designed to support and or promote the game by using, by way of example only, the names, renderings, dialogue, sound effects, or screenshots from the game, including without limitations, books, comics, music, animations, animated GIF files, webisodes, clothing, posters, novelty, and strategy guides. And this is what I really think is a little slimy. They then say, of every kind in nature whatsoever. So how much control would the developer have over marketing their game at that point with uh, extra yeah, ancillary products. The expa- If you wanted to make a Kingdom expanded universe, how much freedom would this give the developers of Kingdom? You said like three different things in one sentence. You said marketing, you said merchandise, and you said the universe of. So you said three different things that all fall into different categories. One, the marketing tends to be entirely within the publisher's hands, and you would have to get express permission for doing publishing stuff, and you would have to provide them with assets. That's a normal thing. Uh, The merchandise, merchandise tends to usually fall under the rights of the publisher, but you take a percentage of all merchandise profits. That's one typical standard and then the universe of is the tricky one where we're talking about IP now if you'll notice with Rural Fury you don't lose the IP you still own your IP which is massive sometimes when you sign with publishers you have to sign away your IP rights and that is a big thing because it means then once you sign it away if the game or the development fails they keep the IP and they can give it to another team and then that team can make your game without you Machinima. So that's a, that's a unless, yeah that's a, that's a big thing. Unless the developer breaches the contract, is this normal? In such event, developer may repurchase the publishing, marketing, and distribution rights granted to p- publisher under this agreement at fair market value, or all rights to the game shall immediately be assigned and transferred free of charge to publisher. In which case, developer shall not be entitled to any developer share. Totally Damn. normal. It's totally normal Damn. because it's... A, then how it's, come uh, lawyers and developers are saying that's weird and a red flag? Because it's written in a way that would get changed. So this is what I'm talking about when it's boilerplate. If you were a dev with a lawyer, you would look at that and you'd be like, I want this expressly written to say what the nuclear button gets pushed at. Is it fail a milestone? The build and the game is just fundamentally broken. Cyberpunk 2077. Right? If you were an investor of Cyberpunk 2077, you looked at the PS4 build, that's what that clause would be for. And that is typical in most contracts with publishers, is some sort of break of the clause, but they still... Because re- they've spent $500,000 on you. They're going to want to recoup that in some way, whether it's the rights of the game, the ability to carry on development with a different team... Or the fact that they will ask you to repay the development funds so far. That's quite normal. Now, because it's boilerplate, you can go to your lawyer, suggest a change, 
and which obviously is the reason they give you five hundred dollars, and then send it back to Raw Fury, and then you will discuss to try and get the language specifically nailed down in the contract that is happy for both parties. It's not that that is what you have to go with. It's just that it's there because of situations like Cyberpunk 2077's PS4 version, right? Where if you've spent $500,000 and that is the game that's about to be launched in a week and the developers has failed you, not fucked you, but failed you and failed to provide what you've given them money for, then that is what that kind of clause is for. And that is quite normal. So I remember there being some drama when Super Meat Boy was being re-released for the current, I guess now last-gen platforms, and they couldn't get some music from the original soundtrack on because of uh, legal issues over the contract. And that sounds mm-hmm. a lot like a clause I spotted in here. Publishers shall have the rights for any platforms which succeed any of the platforms listed above, which are released in the 10 years following the release date. So a lot of this contract yeah. kind of binds you to not competing with what you make for them for one well, year, but they yeah, have the that, rights for that, 10 years to make, like, PlayStation 6 and 7 versions of, yeah, but of that what makes, you make for that, the PS5. That, that, I mean, I would, I would not want this in my contracts, but... 10 I, years is two console gens. No, 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 but... Uh, hang on, how do I... So I wouldn't want this in my contract, but I see why it's there, because usually it's all, and it's just forever. But the fact is, it, you read it like this, it's expressly written 10 years, so it sounds like a long time. But the, 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 the reality is, you would not have made this game without Raw Fury giving you $500,000. So if you had PlayStation 4 and PC agreement with Raw Fury, and then you sold those games, and you had this free this game that you'd made with those dev costs. But then you yourself went and did the porting to the Switch, and then published it yourself. And then Raw Fury can make no money on that vision whatsoever. That's why that clause is there, and I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it in my contract. I would want it to be agreed that after a certain amount of time, either we're very expressly aiming on certain platforms or that it's negotiable in the future about what the other future platforms are. So I don't like it the way it's written in this, but it is kind of normal. They are paying you to make the game. The game would not exist without their funding. So it does make sense that the platform is agnostic in the sense of the contract. Otherwise, the game just doesn't exist, right? So I can see it from the publisher's standpoint. I don't think it's written very well, and I think I would pay a lawyer to fix that clause. I mean, I would pay to change a lot of this to be more understandable language, or at least for the developer to understand expressly in the court of law what you're fighting against or what you would be going up against. Uh, Let's talk about the non-disparagement clause. The parties yes. acknowledge and agree to not make any statements, written or verbal, or cause or encourage others to make any statements, written or verbal, that defame, disparage, or in any ways criticize the personal or business reputation, practices, products, or conduct of the other party, its employees, associates, or partners. Yeah, throw that away. That's that's garbage. Get that. That is... That's not cool. That I don't know if that's a response to like Nick Alice and all the bad stuff that happened with Nick Alice and their that developers was the and stuff I was like about that. To throw out, like yeah, we wouldn't yeah, know yeah. half the shit about Nick Alice no, if, we, if no, people I, stuck I, to those non-disparagement clauses. Yeah, exactly. I would throw that out. I would. I would just 
I would sign the contract on trust, essentially. And, you know, if I fucked up, Raw Fury could say whatever they wanted about me or, or vice versa, right? I, I think that's terrible. I don't think you should have that in any contract. It all, almost immediately uh, sows distrust um, because you're like, why is this here? What, what were the circumstances prior for this happening? Um, so, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I would want to either correct the language on this or I would want to take it out. And once again, I will remind everybody, these things are editable. While some things are are non-movable, like 50-50 rev share, etc., etc., the specific points of the contract is different for everybody. Honest to God, get a lawyer. And the reason this contract was released was in transparency to show you uh, the extent of what video game contracts look like. It's so easy to get a lawyer, guys. Just pull out that I mean, that it's not it's account. not easy and the $500 they give you is not going to cover the costs no. of getting this contract. No. Nice, but at least it gets it looked at, which is a start. Um we but but this is my point. The the thing is without these things being shown and without the good faith, which I know Johan is trying to do because I know him personally. He's not the guy who's making all the millions of dollars of Rofiri. He's the scout. He's the guy who signs the, 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 he's the one who gets the games and brings them in. Right. He just wants the, the leveling level playing field to be so devs understand and, and everybody can learn and try to get the best out of the industry. Nobody's trying to fuck each other over. Everybody's trying to make money and make games. Like that's the industry. Right. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a legal contract. Legal contracts are scary. They look like one versus the other. It's not cool. I don't like it. It's the worst part of signing a video game. I don't like it, but you got to do it. And I'm glad that. And it's funny enough when I was when I was doing some of my own stuff, like he was he was the guy I asked a lot of questions to before all of this. So he's definitely trying to impart wisdom to everybody. And that has come with its fair share of criticism of the contract, which is on Roof Yuri then to go and fix. But I hope this was an insightful conversation. <laughs> they have opened themselves up to criticism in the interest of transparency. I think that is a very good point. Uh, we don't have enough time to talk about the Kentucky Fried Chicken console. Let's move on to listener questions. <laughs> is that actually a real thing? It's a real thing. I thought it was just a 3D render of a, an advert joke. Um, let me look up how much it costs. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I will say. Wait, you can buy it? I thought they were just going to send it to streamers as like a marketing ploy. And then it's just a glorified chicken grill or something. It comes with a built-in chicken warmer. Um, it's, uh, got a, a custom built casing with a unique cooling system that is, um, there so that they can successfully integrate a chicken chamber. Yeah, Holy that's what they shit. call it, a chicken chamber. Wait, wow. is, it, is it really, like, is that is that a real thing? Uh, yeah, the Tech Times has a spec sheet on it. It can handle 4K <laughs> and 120 FPS. But, alright, yeah, but is it a real thing? Is it, yes. like... Yeah, there it is. I'm looking at the website. It's basically, you get KFC chicken, you order it, and then you can keep it in a special chicken chamber where it uses the power of the fans and the heat from the computer... <laughs> To keep the chicken warm. <laughs> World's first built-in chicken chamber. Never risk letting your chicken go cold again. Thanks to the patented chicken chamber, utilizing the system's natural heat and airflow systems, you can now focus on your gameplay and enjoy hot, 
crispy chicken between rounds. I'm 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 a little disappointed though that we're not finding the the store page. Like like what if I want to order a KFC console? I haven't fa- I haven't found where you can order. I found the Coolmaster I I found the Coolmaster advert uh, ad page where I'm it's getting on a little there. I'm getting a little oh, scared. Oh, boys, boys, it's okay because as it says here on the website, it is VR ready. Oh, good. Get on your feet and enjoy the world of virtual reality while the smell of fresh chicken captures your senses. I, I that won't make you nauseous at all. KF console. Well, there's no there's no order page yet though, and I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried this might turn out like the Xbox One fridge. I'm a little worried it may be a promotional thing. Can can we spend Patreon money on buying one? It's gonna be expensive if the if it's actually gonna be putting out. It's probably gonna 4K. be like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll subsidize no, it with all their revenue wait. from the chicken business. It's gonna be way more than a thousand. It's gonna be a little bit more than a thousand. There's no way. There's no way. It's like there's no way, dude. Maybe KFC will like compete with Facebook in terms of making this stuff cheap enough by leveraging their other business. Like, like it's a. It has to be a joke, guys. Guys, it says enjoy smooth and fluid high frame gameplay at up to. 240 FPS for all games. All games. What does that mean? All games with customizable graphics options. <laughs> all games that you can set to low. Anyways, we should move on. We should we should totally freaking move on. Yeah, this has been a long show. A chicken chamber that can fit like two chicken breasts. Ooh. Like what is like what? Don't say that. It's been a long time. Anyway, we should totally move on. Um uh, t- uh if you would like to send a listener question into the dad, oh god, I just can't stop thinking about chicken breasts now. If you would like to send in a, a question to the dad and son, no, Matt. Ugh. <laughs> I knew I'm, that I'm would get you. I knew it would get you. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about about how where you can send your questions in. If you have comments or questions or suggestions or concerns or poetry or stories or Whoa, um, dissertations yeah. or contracts. If you would like to send us your publishing agreement, mail it in to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Alternative, George Patreon listener questions channel. Airport um, fanfic of George. I feel like like we've done similar projects before. <laughs> this one's a little more broad stripe, though. We're, we're going to be casting a wider net with this one. Alan Yee says, A lot of directors have a list of essential films that they think every serious director or critic should have seen. Is there a similar list for game developers and directors? What are some of the essential games in your canon? Would you find it strange if someone in the game development field tells you they've never tried a Mario game? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Mm, You're like the only developer here. Mario. (laughs) Hey, Matt, you made a big gun once. Come on. Like the mascot of video games. Hey, it was so good. The end of my career. That was the end of my career. Is making that big gun. It was so good. The world couldn't see. How does someone make it (laughs) to adult age and get a a productive job without having played a Mario game? It's ubiquitous. It's it's a cultural thing. There will be some people. Because you know those people are out there. There's like, I don't need to play Mario game. Okay. Play a Mario game. Just gonna throw it out there. You don't know oh, how. Here it you is. don't have to play games to make games. Yep. I knew it. There it is. I'm pretty sure there's a lot you, of people I, who I barely play games that make games. Yeah. Like Miyamoto being yeah. one of them. <laughs> but 
like the, the guy who made Mario. <laughs> avoiding Mario is like avoiding fried chicken. No, it, I get that. I, I feel I like that. It's you should that play Mario. <laughs> it, it happens naturally by living in this society. Already? <laughs> yeah. It, I, every, George is like door dashing like, like, KFC right across, now. Every culture across the world has has fried chick chickens are everywhere. Chickens are everywhere. Everyone needs to eat food. Bread is everywhere. Everyone in the world has at some point covered a chicken in bread and fried it. I, 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 that, that's like Mario, every, I, I, you know, I don't want to say it because, you know, you need expensive hardware and stuff. Dude, there's videos on YouTube of, like, like, tribal people from Afghanistan playing Mario with childhood memories of doing it in the 80s. It's, it's, there's all, all the isolated corners of the world. Unless you're living, like, like unless you're naked in a jungle in the rainforest in Brazil, you probably played Mario at some point in your life. I think there is a list of games you could point to somebody and be like, do you know what? If you wanted to understand what the video game landscape has been like through the ages, play these games. I don't think there's a defining list of games like there is movies. Um, but I, I don't know. I think... People who play games think they know how to make games just because they play them, and that's not really how it works. And I don't. I, it I don't is the think, way it works. What would a game look like if it was made by a developer who never played a game? That's that's what I want. I mean, know. Mario was made by a dude who lived in a time when video games didn't even exist. He just made a video game based on some arcade experiences. Like, I mean, yeah, there was Donkey Kong before Mario. There was the Mario he made Brothers Donkey Kong. Right. He made Mario Brothers. Yeah, but he made them not playing video games. He made them like toys. They exist out of the genesis of inspiration from other things. Is that going to happen again? Not with video games, I doubt it. You look at the cultural revolution of games and most games stem from other games. MOBAs stem from a mod from an RTS, Battle Royales, spawn from death matches like games come like if you don't play games especially you're not gonna e i think video games are more of an evolution than they are originality so i think yes you have to be playing games to be up to date with what is selling and what what, what you need to do to make money um if you're making games i think studios need to look at what other games are doing and then you know play breath of the wild make a models phoenix rising you know Make Deus Ex, play, uh, you know, play Deus Ex, make Cyberpunk. Great. I, I don't know. <laughs> These things are like evolutions of each other. But in terms of like, I think a lot of indie games just kind of come from inspiration from a lot of other things. And that's not to say indie is like, oh, this magical world where things are original, etc., etc. I just think that you probably find more experiences through there that are very different because they come from people who maybe don't have as much of a touch in the cornerstone of video games like we do. I think if we were to make a I mean, you know, if we made games and we'd grown up playing games, you're going to grab hold of those cornerstones like platforming and shooting and uh, RPGs and then make games that emulate those kind of ideas. So I don't know necessarily if giving them a list of games and being like, hey, look, here's what the, the gaming landscape is like. Go make a video game would be... Um, I don't. I don't say it's any be better or worse than just having somebody just make a video game out of nothing. I think you have to understand the language of game feel and touch and playing a controller and stuff all that in general. But I don't know if that constitutes having to actually have played a game 
Why would you be playing? Why would you be making games if you hadn't played games anyway? Yeah, I do, do you find reckon? it genuinely hard to imagine. It's kind of like why Kojima's never made a movie. Like, because he's not a movie director. And just because no, he watches three, watch three movies a day doesn't make you a movie director, my friend. It probably helps. Oh, I imagine right. playing games will help you understand what is required to make a to make a good game. But it's not necessarily how it works. Would you guys consider Tetris an essential? No. I think really. if we had to define essentials, I think maybe Tetris, Mario, um, <laughs> Doom. Doom. But like uh, FPS games nowadays, Zelda. I think owe more to Half Life actually. Or, or, or I, would have, like, I, I would, like, I would actually say like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which owes to Half Life. Yeah, yeah but then ah, it, and then we're talking about the evolutions upon which we live in now. And yeah, Half Life owes to Doom, uh, Spelunky, Stardew Valley, uh, Undertale, PUBG. Fortnite. Oh, God. I don't like this question. I don't like <laughs> this question. <laughs> put it away. Alan, put it away. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bubbles on uh, Patreon says, I've been playing through Landstalker on the Sega Genesis collection and really appreciate the ability to speed up the game and go back in time to fix mistakes at the push of a button. What technical hurdles make this difficult to implement in modern games, and how do you all think playing games in general would be affected if this was a common practice? Oh, yeah, that, that would change everything. Would, yeah. I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. I Old actually, farts. A few weeks ago, love I was playing um, through the, the Nintendo Switch NES and SNES classics you get with your uh, Nintendo Plus online subscription, <laughs> and they have rewind buttons, and it's amazing. Yeah, I, virtual I, I, like virtual console with all its like speed up, go rewind the Mega Man collection with all that kind of stuff. Just give, just give it to me. Just give, give it to me more. I, I wanted to rave about it on the podcast, but deleted it and put something else in instead. But yeah, no, that's like a really good thing. More people should know about is the rewind buttons in in these old uh, emulation collections. Like it's 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 an amazing feeling being able to uh, instantly correct your mistake. I think that actually like. Is is almost like a core feeling to the experience of playing games. It's experimenting with the systems, and being able to see what action leads to what outcome, and and being able to just have that process happen faster and, and more naturally is it, it's playful. It's fun. Like you can, it takes the stakes and the tension out of experimenting with stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a per game basis thing. You wouldn't want a, an intense survival horror experience to have that much of a security blanket around the player. But imagine how much more you would have probably liked Super Meat Boy Forever <laughs> if it had a rewind button. <laughs> I would have skipped the game button. <laughs> No, uh, no I, I love it. I love. I um. I don't want to speed up button and get actually the in terms of the modern uh, technicalities, there isn't really one. But usually, speeding up games requires speeding up the frame rate. And as you can see with like the Dark Souls PC version, do you, do you remember the glitches with that when you sped up the uh, frame rate? It like literally constitutes to your strength and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You'd have to completely go in 
to make the game with the idea that frame rate does not affect these things. There are other ways you can speed up games, um, but that tends to be the cheapest way, especially if you're using something like Game Maker or Unity. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to do that myself, but I love the idea of rewinding. It's easier to rewind games, like game states. We see it all the time. You know, like think of sports games and replays. Those replays are not video recordings. They're literally just code recording snippets that rewind the code that just happened in interesting ways. Um, so I would, I would love that. Like imagine playing an RPG, like, like imagine playing Yakuza 7 and you get one hit KO'd by a boss after doing a long string of boss fights in a dungeon or in persona. And then all of a sudden you're just like, nah, bitch, fuck this. And you just rind it five seconds and you defend instead of attack. Yeah, you'd that be able would make to, my life so much easier. You'd be able to experiment with like what the boss's weaknesses are, what you should have done in your turn without it just having goes back to, go to emotions. Yeah, it just goes back to accessibility, right? We're talking about, you know, I am all for people being able to mod Dark Souls to their heart's content when they start the game if they want to make it easier because that's how they want to experience it. But there is a de- there is a defined the game designer made it this way, and then there is a this is the way you mod it. And I would be totally fine with playing Mega Man like I did with a rewind and a fast forward function, <laughs> so I can enjoy Mega Man without not playing it, because that's how I feel when I die a lot. <laughs> uh, should we do one more? Yeah. Sure. Uh, generally, bananas from the Patreon wants to know what's some music you guys have enjoyed in 2020. Oh my God, <laughs> I can give you a list. I always do. Let's, and here let's, it is. Let's do it. This is this is more this is more a question for you guys because I have shit taste in music. I, I'm very quick. I haven't really listened to music much in 2020 because I've been at home a lot, so I've been doing a lot of podcasting. But there is somebody I found recently called Rina Sawayama, and she is amazing. Check her out if you like. Um, I don't know. I can't like. I don't even know what to compare her to. But she's great, Rina Sawayama. She's great. But Matt, what you been doing? What you been listening to? A little bit of everything, man. Ooh. I got a little bit of Denzel Curry in here. I got a little bit of uh, let's see, uh, Celeste. I got a little bit of uh, oh, uh, game soundtrack. Uh, no. Uh, oh. FKJ. Oh. Oh. FKJ. Okay. <laughs> Damn, George. I got a little bit of uh, <laughs> um, uh, and Anderson Park um, Pack. Um, I got a little bit of Moses uh, uh, Sumney. Like, I could go down a list. Some Rico Nasty. I'm feeling a little nasty. Tara Wack is always like, she's always in there somewhere. I, I listen to a lot of uh, indie stuff too. Well, I guess less known people, should I say, uh, that are on here. Um, but that's just a few. I mean, really, I I try to discover music every day. So my list just keeps growing. My main playlist is is in the thousands. So, and I just keep going. So like when I go through. Like my main playlist, I can I know where I was in my life at that point at that time because I yeah, know when yeah, I added yeah. it. Um, yeah. 
you know, like I was going through this or I was doing that, you know, because like I was in a certain mood and you could always tell with like the, the type of music choices yeah, I was like listening to. Yeah, there's a lot of music from earlier in 2020 that I can't even listen to because when I was listening to it at that time, it was a pretty rough time. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to listen to that because the memories that this music inspires is not great. And that, that can be really powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. A little bit, of, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, George. Uh, let's see what happens if I load up my Spotify because I'm gonna hear the same damn '80s music I've been hearing for the whole I'm past year. I'm amazed you still pay for it. I don't. Um, oh, I do. I, I. Oh God, I, I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I, I feel like I get nothing out of it most of the time. I put music on sometimes when I'm cleaning. I used to like make a bigger point out of it, but now I just I just don't care. Oh I boy, just don't care about anything anymore. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! And that's not that's not it's not good, George. We need we need we need to change that. I need to I need to slap myself awake. We got an award show in two weeks. Chop chop chop! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> don't forget, you can. Join our contest to win a long sleeve t-shirt of the Dad Select shirt that you may have seen floating around on Twitter. Follow us at Dad and Sons Pod. Tweet a wonderful picture of yourself listening to the Dad and Sons show or one of Matt's new musical suggestions. That would be interesting. You can also join our Patreon.com forward slash Dad and Sons podcast where you will be able to join our wonderful Discord community, which all got drunk together on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day together and they all showed each other their faces for the first time. It was actually a unique and wonderful experience that after six months of this Discord being a thing, seeing all their faces for the first time was (laughs) an amazing and wonderful experience, actually. (laughs) Um, It was. It really, truly brought a smile to my face. So thank you to everybody who did that. That was lovely. Uh, It was a good party. Um, so yes if you would like to join that you can play along in our community game nights other than that you can find us all on twitter and we'll be back for the 150th episode bonanza in how long two weeks George two weeks two weeks January 16th so we're taking a break yeah because we didn't do one during Christmas we're doing one during New Year's happy new year oh that's right happy new year guys yeah Yeah, yeah, it'll be 2021 by the time this comes out guys thank god new year new year new me new year new me new me new me new new everybody new